Tomahawk, my little flute benders, and welcome to I Like to Movie Movie, the podcast about movie movies. My name is Garrett Smith. My name is Dan Scully. And uh, today we are joined by very special guests, Rosalie Kicks and Sandy. God damn it, I forgot your last name as soon as I tried to say it. We just talked about this. <laughs> DeVito. DeVito. Sandy DeVito. <laughs> Wait, how did you forget that? I don't know. Uh, from moviejohn.com, uh, as well as the zine that they publish themselves, which uh, is like the most delightful thing to me, that there's a movie zine that comes out in Philadelphia regularly. And I guess you guys probably send that out elsewhere, right? Like, you, it's not like that's uh, specifically local. It goes all over the place, yeah. yeah. I mean, it even goes to other countries. Yeah? Yeah, we have quite a few people in Canada and uh-huh. Australia. Yeah? Yeah. I, I They find us from the internet. That's awesome. <laughs> that's so cool. And so that's Rosalie's voice. And uh, yes. Sandy, introduce yourself. Say hello. Hi, my name's Sandy. Perfect. Awesome. Uh, and so, yeah, they're from moviejohn.com. Uh, they brought a really uh, great movie for us to talk about today. Uh, but let's get a little, uh, you know, uh, what, what do we call that? We got a housekeeping. Housekeeping. I just wanted to say this little, I'm holding a movie, John. Oh. And it, it has like a Beetlejuice wrapping paper. Sure just does. the pattern is black and white stripes and a rainbow piece of tape. Yes, it does. So you're already on board before you even open it. Uh-huh. And it feels like there's more than just... A zine in here. Yeah, they brought Rosalie's us like all about the presentation. The oh, presentation is important. So buttons. there's candy in here. Oh my goodness! Just in case you forget, you should Swedish be fish. watching more movies. You guys have buttons too. Right. More movies button. Oh, I'm just dropping everything. Can't so care button and it looks MJ. Looks like you have the sequel issue. Yes, which like, came out in December. So it was featuring. So each month, well, we're now quarterly. I'm used to still being monthly, but. Last year, the last monthly. Yeah, I last believe. year we were monthly, and that was the last one that we were doing. Um, but basically, we have a theme for each issue. Yep. And then the contributors, and it's usually kind of pretty loose. Like, mm-hmm. like our next one is going to be spies awesome. and thrillers. Yeah. So I mean, you can really write about anything just like within that yeah, theme. As long as you can bring your thesis back around to Ex- somehow this is Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So some people will write like they might write a Valentine to their favorite spy. Okay. Mm-hmm. I like that. Um, but the zine is really just it's for fans. Yeah. So we're all fans of movies and so it doesn't necessarily it's not always critique. Yeah, so it's also like creative writing about movies exactly. to some extent too. Mm-hmm. There's a title here that I'm I can't wait to read this called Keeping Continuity is as easy as child's play, a guide to the madness of Mancini. <laughs> I believe that is a guide to the timeline of all the Chucky movies, oh, which yes. are batshit crazy. So yeah. that sounds like fun. <laughs> oh, Rosalie loves the Chucky. Well, it's funny because actually that writer, Judson, he's from Texas. He got me into the Chucky movies because I had never watched them before. And then I just bought them all last Halloween. All and I of watched them? Them. Yeah. Like including I got the, the family saga? Well, you know what? We stepped up and got a 4K TV oh, at right Best on. Buy. And then we ended up having like Best Buy bucks. <laughs> and we bought the Chucky set. That's a great choice. <laughs> and it's amazing. <laughs> Chucky is so cool. Uh, Chucky is yeah. incredible. We were, ta- yeah. we were talking about our, our favorite of the franchises and you said Chucky, and mine's <laughs> Friday, Friday the 13th, of course. Yes. Um, that's a big oh, one for yeah, me. Yeah. What's, your, what's your favorite entry? 
Oh, it's number four. Oh, okay. oh, the, fi- oh the final okay. chapter. I'm yes. a six guy. Oh, I uh, six is I think six in my legit. opinion the the second choice. Oh, um, guys, X so is my favorite. Six, uh, <laughs> I really X. like X so I, much. I enjoy watching X personally. Yeah. People think that that movie is. I think uh, Jason Takes Manhattan is definitely the worst. I yes. find it very hard to sit well, through. Well, it's Jason more. takes a boat. Yeah, yeah, and then yeah. hangs Jason out in Manhattan for like for 10, like, 15 yeah. minutes. Yeah. Which that part is fun, forever. but it's really cool. the only good part. So um, I like a lot of the stuff the that happens on mm-hmm. the boat, but it yeah. doesn't make sense as a Friday the 13th movie. Mm-hmm. No. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I love the kid that's walking around a boat with an electric guitar that they brought themselves, and they will just... At random locations around the boat, set the amp down and start playing a guitar solo. But that guitar <laughs> would be amazing. his end. Just gotta fill yeah. things. Yeah. Fill, yeah. fill it up, guys. Fill there's like a, it up. There's stuff. also a gym on the boat, which is like one of my favorite things. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, the titles. A lot going on on the boat. Yeah. The titles definitely it's misleading, misleading though. Yeah. Like yeah. you're you're wanting Jason in pizza shops and like. Oh yeah. And like <laughs> I want to see. Like, we have a necklace that has the Statue of Liberty on it. <laughs> Right. Means we're in New York. Yeah. I want to see him on the subway. Yeah. There's like, literally two minutes. So oh, if yeah. you sit on the subway yeah. with his machete yeah. we and no made one's that paying movie. any attention. Oh, that's good. <laughs> Some guy with a newspaper, like, kind of like yeah. elbows him out of the way. Like, yeah, fuck you. And buddy. the movie only does that for two minutes. There is yeah. like two minutes yeah. that he's like he running the around the streets the of yeah. Manhattan. Yeah. With like the, like, the punk the kids in the boom box. Yeah. And he's just like, yeah. I was like, more of that, you guys. Yeah, exactly. I like But why four, though? So much. Because four is oh, yeah. pretty fantastic. I do it's like great. four. It's just Crispin. I love everything. Yeah, like Crispin. Yeah, that oh, the dance, dance is amazing. Yeah. Where's the corkscrew? Corey yeah. Feldman getting excited about watching people have sex through the window. Uh-huh. And, you know, it's just I, I love everything about it. I never get tired of it, and it's actually kind of it's one of the only ones that I think is like legitimately frightening. Oh yeah, um, and uh, psychologically disturbing in a lot of ways. So. Yeah, it's great. It's I that one to me is like the most midnight movie of the bunch and yeah. that is why I think it like holds up as one of the better ones. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It feels like the perfect one to just like watch yeah. with your friends at like 10 p.m., you Oh know? yeah. It's, it's like so on brand. Yeah. Like when I think of a Jason movie, it does take that structure. Yeah. Yes. Like a Jason movie. Yes, yeah, yeah. Quote yeah. unquote. Yeah. Very good. Oh, that was a good way to start this conversation. <laughs> I love right that. On. Uh, hey, you can find us uh, on Facebook, Twitter, all that stuff at I Like Two Movie. It's Numeric Two. Uh, we're still kicking around some ideas for live shows. So, like, you know, tweet at us and let us know if that's a thing you want because I think we are probably going to do that. Oh, we're definitely uh, do. It. Yeah, it's it's going to happen. We it's just a matter of time. Yeah, we're just we're still kicking around ideas and getting ready. Uh, I think that's pretty much it. We don't really have a whole lot to, to plug this week. We don't we don't have a whole lot on the docket. Just thank you for your patience. We yeah. skipped a week. Uh, it yeah. was pretty crazy. So I think yeah. we're still going to hit two episodes for April. Ultimately. But that's only because April is forgivingly like a five-week month this year. So. Yeah, very true, uh, very true. So we'll, we'll hit the schedule to some extent. Uh, and uh, yeah, I think we're going to have some exciting episodes coming up. Um, I, I kind of have some ideas, but I think maybe we'll do like another summer movie wager. Oh, in, yeah. In and I think we're weeks. touching upon Final Destination. Yeah, I think that's but another thing. We've been talking about doing... Andy's been pushing that. Yeah, I think it's time to do it. I think we might do like a, the whole franchise as yeah. like an episode, uh, which should be really fun. So... Uh, which will be great for me because I've only seen the first one. Oh, dude! Yeah, it's so I've blow got like a whole mind. yeah, I've got a whole trip to take, which is going to be great. Right on. Uh, and uh, I guess I would do. I did want to get some plugs out for you guys off the top, just in case uh, you know yeah. this takes us three hours, which sometimes it does. Uh, MovieJohn.com, uh, I, I believe, is where people can find you guys and Correct. get the zine. Can they subscribe from there and all that kind of stuff? Yes, we have a shop online, um, and our next issue will be released in June. Um, but otherwise, online, I mean, we mostly post like newer releases mm-hmm. on there occasionally a column Mm -hmm. um but we actually keep a lot of the articles that are in the print version print i I mean sometimes we do post some of them online yeah Mm -hmm. um but that way it makes it special yeah um 
There's a reason to subscribe. Exactly. Yeah. And other than that, I mean, we are actually, one thing we want to try to do, hopefully in the summer, is we really like to do like movie meetups. Oh, yeah. Um, but we're still working on that. I love that idea. Yeah. And we actually want to start a podcast too, um, but going to keep that under wraps right now because yeah. we're still kind of formulating uh-huh. what it's going to be. But we definitely want to include the whole like movie John crew. Yeah, that's so, awesome. Mm-hmm. That's really cool. Because well, like I said, there's people who contribute from all over the place. Yeah. So. And everybody kind of likes different stuff too, which is fun. Yeah, I, I there. Uh, I mean, this is a little like behind the scenes stuff, but there's definitely a way you guys can use Skype to kind of like get a group chat going with people all over the place yeah, and actually have we it sound pretty good. Into that, we were looking into. Yeah, that there's too. like a little bit of software you could use to actually like make that sound all right. Um, but uh, that's exciting. I would I would listen to the shit out of a movie John podcast. So I think you guys should definitely put that together. Uh, yeah, cool. that's exciting. Uh, <laughs> that's so, what we like to hear. Yes. Uh, so you guys brought a movie that I saw. What was this? Two years ago, 2016. Does that yeah, sound right? Yes. 2016. Yeah, 2016. I want to say last. that's also the year that The Vich came out, if I'm not mistaken, because yes. I feel like I saw the. It was these the year that The Witch had back. a wide release. So yeah. yeah, I would say yes. First, like I like how committed release. you are to Vich. The Vich. The Vich. Yeah, it's The Vich. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I can't do it. Uh, I, I love can't it. do it. I want to do it. I can't do it. Yeah, you got it because it's like it's not really a V. It is yeah. a W, so you got to say you the know, witch. There's right, probably so 15 <laughs> movies named the witch. Yeah, and when you say the witch, people are like everybody that knows exactly one, what I'm talking about. That's the one. Yes. Yep. Uh, yeah. And the only reason I bring that up is I think I saw these movies like back to back. So you guys brought us Neat. the Love Witch, uh, which is uh, a pretty wonderful, interesting little movie that I got to watch for a second time this week because of this. And Dan, was it your first? This is my first time. Yeah. I watched Viva in anticipation of this because it popped up on Mubi. Yeah. Uh, it's uh, Anna Biller's previous film. I believe there's like a 10-year difference. Okay. Because you know, she builds everything. Uh, yes. Yep. And, uh, and then <laughs> so this came every out. Costume. And it kind of like blew up in its own small way. Yes. And then I missed it. Yeah. And so I just never caught up until two days ago. So. Awesome. Okay. Awesome. And, and it's very good. And you guys are big fans of this, as I understand. I love Anna Biller. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I I just think a lot of women find this particular film very empowering, and there's not really much else that I've seen that is uh, as distinct as Anna Biller's particular style. So, um, And I, even now, I think it's already at its cult status, I think. Oh, <laughs> it's yeah. early to say I that, agree. I guess, but not for... I mean, a film like this, I just know a lot of women who um, really love it and are really pushing for it. And it's um, being brought back already to a lot of different cinemas. Oh, really? I know in New York, like they're pretty much showing it regularly on 35 millimeter. Um, Cause I hear about stuff all the time. Like I would love she, to see she retweets it every single time. And I'm like every recently, other month, it seems like they're doing that. So recently, I think they even did like an event. Or something. Oh in a yeah, tea yeah. Room oh yeah. Where they did people this tea like room dress up in LA where <laughs> Samantha so Robinson, funny. who plays Elaine, yeah. and and Anna was there, and um, they like just invited. It was. It seemed like mostly women came to this and dressed up like you know, like the Victorian tea yeah. rooms. Are the rules the same as the one in the movie where men can't go? I, I'm not sure if they weren't allowed to go. All the pictures <laughs> they, they posted, I think. I think they were, you know, it was they were making an event that was specifically for women who are fans of the film. I think. I don't think that men were like prevented oh, from no, being no, able no. to right. go, but. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was. It definitely seemed like you know this was a chance for a lot of women who love the film and who are fans of them to just come and talk to them and be in a, an environment where they could have you know a conversation and have a really fun time. And there were like some some littler girls there, which I thought I this film's that. a little bit adult or like yeah. small girls, but like clearly some moms have already been like, no, you're gonna watch this. And like, <laughs> That's so cool. So it was, it, yeah. I mean, she's already they're doing a lot of events already, and like I said, it seems like they're already bringing it back to theaters. 
pretty regularly just because it has a really big fan base oh, already. So. I, the only reason I saw it, I think, was because I want to say maybe Joanna Robinson was tweeting about it when mm. it came out. Uh, oh, okay. and was I remember like, Edgar Wright actually pushed it. Oh, did he? Yeah. Yeah. I, I think it, I think it was Joanna Robinson was, was was tweeting about this movie and talking about how interesting it was. And I was like, oh, that I, I do want to see that. So and I probably, to be honest, wouldn't have seen it had I not, you know, somebody posted about it and said it was good. Mm-hmm. It, it's not the kind of thing that would like jump out to me necessarily right. as like something I'd be interested in. It appears on its surface, because I remember before I had read anything about it, it looked so niche and like so... It, it almost felt like, oh, what is this? It looks like some kind of like forced thing. I thought it was going to be just some dumb parody. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it was only when it started to kind of have a buzz that it was like, oh, this might not actually be a dumb parody. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because it's got that look of like the, um, well, uh, what is really remarkable about it is it so successfully feels like a movie from like a different time, just mm-hmm. the way it looks and feels. But I could, you know, I I could see seeing a trailer for it and being like, oh, yeah, that looks like, uh, you know, like a young filmmaker trying to ape the style of mm-hmm. as opposed to actually like succeed at, well, at you I, know, doing it. I think what also fooled people is that because of the way it looked, yeah. people just thought, oh, this is just to your point going to be like. A rehash Some mm-hmm. of something, parody. right? Sci-fi a parody, but it has a message. Yeah, yeah. And the reason that it looks the way it does is because Anna Biller loves classic film. It's yeah. not, you know, she's not right. trying to make fun of anything. It's no. legitimately because she just loves that. Yeah, and she's just recreating what she, it. Yeah, she, Which, she's making things in the style that is something yeah. that she that speaks to her. You could so. feel the love all over it. Like it, yeah, it yeah. is really remarkable how successful it is at like recreating that kind of movie. And I was so I read your interview. Was it your interview with? with I Anna? did. Yes, I interviewed her uh, on Movie John, and that one's Correct. available online, right? It is. It is online, and I actually so I interviewed her before I was actually able to see the film. Yeah. I had just seen the trailer and was enamored. I am a huge classic film fan, so when I saw the trailer, I was like, I need to see this movie, yeah. and basically like was stalking her website. Till it got a Philly show date. Okay. Um, but yeah, so when I interviewed her, I mean, it was more or less just like about her technique and about mm-hmm. like the craft and what she did to make the film. And to Sandy's point, I mean, she did everything, yeah. uh, which was just astonishing to me. Like, she did the costumes, the editing, the directing, the producing, set design. the set design. Like, it was just. And I think to your point, I think you said what ten years. Ten years mm-hmm. between, best. yeah. And it's like, well, that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, if you're doing everything on the film, well, and designing no like that many costumes by hand, and like those yes. sets are pretty incredible in some cases, like the, uh, the like the Renaissance wedding and stuff, like all that. Like, yeah, I imagine, she made all those costumes. Yeah, I imagine that stuff would take forever if you're yeah. the only person working on it it's crazy yeah i mean but awesome yeah like i you know to be that dedicated and i think obviously it speaks to how much care she really had for the story yeah because she could have went out and found somebody to do it but clearly she like had a look Mm -hmm. or people like like, make props you know that she had you know design something and she'd be like create this but no she like would go to antique stores and find old things that she liked to put in the rooms there's a scene where um 
uh, Trish's husband is drinking out of this giant, yes. this, this ridiculously large that. wine glass. Yeah. And she's like, oh, I found that. I was listening to the commentary and she was talking about how she found it in some antique shop on Long Beach. And I have a note in my she's phone that's like, oh. giant glass. She's like, that's, that's, <laughs> that's she saw it. And help. she's like, this is the glass that, that uh, Robert Scott, or is that his name? Richard in the Richard. film. Oh, yes. that's, yeah. the, that's the glass that Richard's going to drink out of. She like has this like almost photographic memory where she like knows exactly which prop she needs and then goes out and like looks for that prop right and that's the one that's in the film she's so. like a mad scientist concocting a movie yeah that's yeah. super impressive it's so <laughs> cool but the thing that interested me in the interview you did with her mm -hmm. is um you talked a lot about it being from the technicolor era that that's like a lot of what it's uh, attempting to get at and when i watched it i read it as like a uh, like a giallo movie like that's oh. kind of what it was like heavily inspired by okay. but i was really interested in in the more general just kind of like the technicolor era because it it like i think i just am more familiar with giallo movies and they're from that era as well so it like had i had a read on it that it's like oh this is like kind of like she's like specifically trying right. to make like a giallo film and i don't quite i once i read your interview i was like that's not quite right actually i it it's more accurate to say it's just it's the Technicolor that's well, was, calling that out to me. I was yeah. going to say, I think if you definitely follow her on Twitter, which I was prior to even <laughs> interviewing her, you realize her love of classic film. Mm -hmm. um, I think, you know, she does watch new movies as well, but not as regular regularly. She's said stuff before on her Twitter about yeah. how she just doesn't. She's not as drawn to n newer cinema. It's just Correct. that's just her personal preference. And you're like that too. I mean, I am, you probably really Yeah, to I've that probably watched more older film than newer film. Newer film now more so because I've started reviewing stuff. Yeah. So it's just like, yeah, you know. <laughs> I gotta. I check out <laughs> yeah. what's new, but I'm definitely more drawn. Like, I just got a Filmstruck account. Yeah. I'm oh, completely obsessed. Yeah. <laughs> it's like this was, was made like for me. Um, but yeah, following her. for me than, than Filmstruck. Yes, 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 yeah. If you go Brando on, on though, I mean, mm. and the, you've I'm probably done this, streetcar. gone yeah, onto dude. her website, she blogs yeah, as well. Yeah, I've read some of her blog posts, and yeah. She will blog like right now her next film that she's going to be working on. Like she puts all of the things that like inspire her, mm. like movies she's watching, mm -hmm. different you know set design that she wants her film to you know basically emulate. Like mm -hmm. so, yeah, that's where I think I got the idea. Then it was like oh, following her yeah. and just knowing the interests that she had. Yeah, that's so interesting because that <laughs> reads a little better to it because like I was trying to put that together in my head that like. This feels like a Giallo movie to me, but I was like trying to put the details of that together. And it doesn't I don't quite think you're entirely get incorrect there. though. Yeah, like, right. especially in comparison to Viva, like Viva very much pulls up the the Technicolor era. Yeah, it, and it reminds me of you ever see those like gross uh rest like recipe cards. Oh yes, they have yeah. like yes. that kind of tone to it, and I, and I love that. But I also it's it's like a little much, and that affected me for Viva. It, yeah, like, some of that color just feels gross to me. But then I think that leaning a little bit more into horror, it almost naturally has to pick up some of that Giallo stuff. Yeah. And that's sort of the level where I start to understand it a little bit more. Yeah, yeah. And I love the color in this movie. Oh, it looks fantastic. Yeah, the, yeah. This, the costume designs and the way she's like specifically choosing these like shades of clothing that go like with the, yeah, she the shades on to, the wallpaper. Yeah, to match the and, set design with the costumes. Yeah. The way that she does in Viva a lot too, mm -hmm. but it's so, she's like personally obsessed oh, with that. I loved that. So it, and it looks great. It I looks mean, so good. You could watch these, this movie and just ignore like what's actually happening in the movie. I think and just like kind of enjoy just it. Be it's into just like the visuals, which is yeah. Yeah, such a big part. Definitely of it. something when I because I've seen it now, Love Witch, a few times, and it's like mm -hmm. every time I see something new, mm -hmm. it's like a yeah. prop or just like something in the background. Mm -hmm. 
And that's something that as a filmmaker, I think is so important, like what you're showing in the scene, what you're showing on the screen, which I feel that's why I don't like a lot of newer movies yeah. because I just feel like a lot of times they're lazy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's funny that you went, because in the car on the way here, we were talking about films that came out this year so far and I was talking about how much I loved Winchester, which everyone else in the whole world hated, apparently, but (laughs) I loved because partially because of the extreme attention to detail in the film in the sets. Um, And so, you know, in the film, they're dealing with this giant house that has a million rooms in it. Every single room is ornately designed in this film. Mm. And, you know, I spent the whole film sort of just like watching the peripheral of like what was going (laughs) on because I was so entranced by all the detail and all the scenes, you know, all these like candelabras and like these little gold things and these embossed things and these you know Helen Mirren wearing this long black lace yeah. and like all the little details on her gown and I, and that and that so you know and the same thing with love the love which it's not just about the story or about the characters it's also about you know film is a visual experience so you want to do you want something to look at and <laughs> anybody who really makes something that is so interesting to look at is it's always an experience in my opinion, I mean, we often talk about on the show like pre-production yeah. always trumps post-production. Yeah, and I do feel like newer movies are largely made in post-production, yeah. where right. they approximate it and we'll cut it together. And with something like The Love Witch, that's just not possible. Yeah, because everything is is kind of handcrafted Deliberate. and hand-built, mm-hmm. and so that it just feels like uh, <laughs> to quote uh, Ryan from Philadelphia when we were watching Fast. Uh, Fate of the Furious. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I always forget uh, yeah, yeah. which one it is. Yeah. Fate of the Furious F eight. Uh, there was a part where you said, I think I'm looking at nothing. <laughs> yeah. I thought that happens yes. a little frequently yeah. more yeah. in modern cinema. Yes. Mm-hmm. I which I still love. Yeah. I mean, even if I'm looking at nothing, those cars were exploding. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. It was, there's a, a time and a place for every <laughs> oh, kind yes. of enjoyment, you know? Yeah, yeah which exactly. I, I do enjoy my fair share. But of today the spectacle. it's kind of a lost art, I think, you know? Oh, that yeah. it, and so it's, it's nice to see something like The Love Witch or something like Winchester that I loved for that reason, that because it was so different. From most of what we get today, so and definitely seeing too, you know, the fact that she shot on thirty-five. I think it's so important. Mm-hmm. I can't imagine if she would have shot on video, and that she was never something... would have because she would have been personally devastated. Right. I. I. And I think it's something to say. You know, I do keep reading though how a lot of filmmakers are like, really, there's no difference. Like, right. with shooting on film, you just have to plan more. Mm-hmm. I mean, because it costs more, mm-hmm. so you have to be really careful about what you're shooting where it's like video you may end up with so much extra footage because mm-hmm. you're just like yeah i'll just take another you know scene yeah. because why not whereas and that's what i in my interview with her like she brought up you know it really didn't cost that much more. yeah 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 i mean yeah. you just have to plan mm-hmm. and i can't even imagine if she would have shot it on video There's especially like there the was color. definitely scenes where yeah. she did really let the camera run though so i mean because she was yeah i was listening to the commentary like I was saying and she was talking about how the scene at the end where Trish is sort of putting on Elaine's makeup and wearing her clothing and and the wig and everything she like Anna like shot the whole thing of of her doing all it and and if and uh, in real time a woman doing her makeup and everything takes a really long time takes like 20 minutes you know or more and she's sort of but Anna loved it so much that she was like I have this reel of her just sort of that's doing cool. it, you know, mm-hmm. the whole thing for like the entire time she was putting everything on. But in the film, she couldn't do that. Obviously, yeah, yeah. she had to like cut it up so I it wouldn't be a yeah. twenty-minute scene. Yeah. But like, you mm-hmm. know, I mean, she still, I think, found you know time to to do long shots and everything and and long takes. So, I yeah, mean, 
I, I don't think, like you were saying, she's like, it's still possible, you know, to to shoot everything that you want to exactly. shoot. Exactly. And I think, you know, when it comes down to it, like I said, you just really have to plan out, like, well, you know, what am I shooting? What is realistic? Like, what can I get done? But I think that a lot of people are kind of, they, I, I don't know, like newer films, it just seems sometimes they take the lazy approach. I mean, I hate to say that, but. I think about this every time I watch a Spielberg movie. You know how uh, set like the settings of uh, all of the families that are in Spielberg movies are like cluttered with shit. Mm-hmm. Like mm. every house you're in in a Spielberg movie is just cluttered with shit. But it Close doesn't count. Yeah, but it, my favorite Spielberg. It's so oh, I love that movie. It's yeah. so specific, actually. Like that, I I watch movies all the time where they're trying to create the Spielberg family vibe in a home. Yeah, yeah. and it doesn't look anything like it because it looks manufactured. It, it, yeah, it, yeah. It just like there's something. It's he's so meticulous about the way he designs that mess right. that it like it it draws your eye into it in a way that if you were to just create clutter, that wouldn't happen. It literally would just look like clutter. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah. Which then it's distracting. Right. Yeah. Which yeah, I mean, is something else to say about you know her set design and costumes they speak so much about the character. Like, even before the characters talk, it's like you already get an idea of, like, oh, this is who this is going to be. Or, you know, just something about them. Um, Which, again, is interesting. I mean, she's showing us rather than telling us, which is what you're supposed to do. But I find oftentimes, yeah, to your point, it's like, Sometimes is the set really deliberate, or right. like they just were think, lazy? Yeah, and I think with with Annabella in particular, I think part of the reason that she does do the, the meticulous sort of detail work that she does is because she wants us to get to know the women in her films in ways that are beyond just how they physically look. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, so we spend a lot of time in their spaces, right? Um, mm-hmm. We spend a lot of time at Elaine's house in her bedroom. You know, her vanity. That's a very personal area for a woman and. Um, it's a big part of telling us about Elaine and who she is. And um, one of the things I really love about this film is Elaine's hairpiece, which mm. I think is um, a very interesting sort of subtle, small thing. I wanted to talk about that. That people might miss the yeah. first time that they watch, but um, was a big deal for me just because it spoke volumes without really um, saying anything verbal at any point about her hair. So um, what were you? Well, what so was I, I was really you wanted to say. Well, it like it made me laugh this time when she pulled the hairpiece off for the first time, yeah. because when she pulls it off, her hair does not actually look different to me once she's removed the hairpiece. To yeah. me, it lo- she already has like very long black hair. It's like it looks right. just like her piece. But then once she pulled it off and I realized she was wearing a piece, I could then see the difference when she had the hairpiece on every time she had it on after that. And it was interesting to me that it like it almost played as a joke to me when she first removed it because it was like you, wait, what are you doing? You're removing a hairpiece that just looks like your hair. Like, what is the? And that, but then once I saw, but then once I realized that's what was going on, and I could see that she was wearing a hairpiece, I was like, oh, that really is like adding the. There's like a volume to her hair with that on that, like it's, you know what I mean? Like I could yeah. actually see what it was doing. I was, I don't know. It was like this movie is very interesting to watch as a man, by the way, because like especially the I one, can imagine one of the best jokes in the movie is well, most men have never seen a used tampon before, and then you get the callback later when the cops are looking in the jar. And he's like, yeah. "Do you know what this is?" And he's like, "I've never seen that before." Yeah, what what, what <laughs> yes. the hell do you think this thing is? <laughs> yeah. yeah. And by the way, I realized upon that joke, I was like, "Oh, I literally have never seen one before." Like th- this movie is my first experience seeing one. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. It's, <laughs> Anna doing a, a great service yeah. to mankind. <laughs> yeah. She really is. It's uh, no, this movie like very much. Uh, d- I you know, as a man watching it, like did speak to me in that way of like, oh my god, I am like way more ignorant than I ever would have imagined. Like that, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
Well, something, too, we were discussing on the way over here was just, too, how far more interesting the women are than the men in the film. Oh, the men are Kendall's. Me me watching it in the theater, I was like, this is freaking awesome. Mm -hmm. Because most movies I watch, it's like, yeah, the guy tends to be the interesting character and the ladies is like that too She's exactly sort of yeah using them as props which is so refreshing as a woman to see it yeah because we never get that right so. well in reading about the movie that was the one phrase that always came up was that she was shooting through quote-unquote the female gaze yeah. or yeah. using the female gaze to right. empower the characters can you talk about that a little bit um yeah i mean i it part of it okay so i was talking before about how we spend a lot of time in her films in the feminine spaces Mm -hmm. um so like we get to see um not just how a woman presents herself on the outside because a lot of times and the love which is about this in in some ways that how you know the the presentation of of femininity is um a lot of times sort of just an elaborate concoction of things that we've created um sort of like wearing a mask all the time you know and um so getting her hair piece um, mm-hmm. being a big one. And that's a bit, and hair is a big thing for women, you know, like mm-hmm. we're constantly, there's a lot of pressure on us regarding how we present, you know, um, versus like for a male gaze, how pre- presentation constantly being geared towards men. Yeah. Like, do men find this attractive? Do men find this, you know, whatever. Um, and so getting to sort of spend time in feminine spaces is an important part of learning about our characters beyond how they present themselves. Um, I was just going to say, no, I was going to say how she um, also presents just the way I think, especially with Samantha, the way like women utilize sometimes their looks. And I think she's speaking to that, like example with the cop (laughs) when she gets pulled over and just kind of the dialogue that they have back and forth. Um, And I think that she's also just showing like sometimes that there's these expectations, like because Samantha is beautiful like the way she's treated Mm -hmm. because of that Mm -hmm. yeah and there is a juxtaposition between uh, elaine and trish who's probably the other uh, female character who has the most time in the film Mm -hmm. um and how and and annabella has talked about this too how wanting to sort of um use two different examples of how women deal with the standards that society put on us um about like presenting as glamorous which is something that i know annabella in particular really gravitates towards and she definitely has talked a lot of times about um finding empowerment in glamour it's not something that she looks down on it's something that she likes Mm -hmm. and something that she puts in her films and something that she you know exhibits herself and she gravitates towards that in classic cinema and everything um but wanting to have trish there and being you know the opposite of elaine in a lot of ways of not really finding the presentation of glamour empowering on a personal level Mm -hmm. and um and I'm not really saying, not putting commentary on either of them regarding that. It never being like a point for ridicule right. or the hairpiece not being a point of, for ridicule, just sort of being a thing that's part of her life. Mm-hmm. Uh, something that seems very small and subtle, but is actually has, you know, very sort of interesting uh, implications about like how a person presents themselves and, and the pressures that they might personally feel to present in a certain way or to be taken seriously in a certain way or um i mean for for elaine because of this movie we're talking about a witch uh (laughs) part of her magic is um her presentation so Mm -hmm. it's you know not just her doing magic spells it's also her uh her whole appearance being part of of the magic that she's working on people and you know because she's so obsessed with the idea of love and of um being desired uh 
therefore her look would be a very important part of you know her working a certain kind of magic on people yeah. that she wants to work in a very specific way so and you watch it work and not just on men like even when she goes into the um that like shop it's like uh i don't uh, what even is that it's like a spiritual shop of it's some like kind a magical like it's a, called moonrise herbs right, yes, <laughs> and yes. it's like a it's supposed to be like a just like a witch shop so yeah. like, they sell herbs and you know like witch supplies and stuff like that yeah. those, those kinds of shops harry's exist in real life so harry's a cult i miss harry's all the time but um she you know i think even her appearance has an effect on the woman behind the counter there like she is presenting in a way that i i think like allows that woman to like kind of trust her pretty initially you know she like she hands her the thing and she has a little bit of hesitation towards her and within a few seconds it's it's fine she just starts looking at the stuff i think that's one of the interesting things about watching it as a man is she's gorgeous she does cast a spell on you even just watching yeah. it as a movie you're like man she looks very good yeah and so even <laughs> though these guys are these dolts that are that are kind of personalityless yeah I totally buy, you know, even even if they're a version of me that is that is hopefully dumber than me, yeah. then uh you know, I, I go along with that because she does cast a spell. It yeah. it does work. Oh yeah. And another theme in, in her films is I think the relationships that women have with men versus the relationships that women have with each other and how women react to, you know, a presentation of glamour, for instance, like mm-hmm. you guys were talking about, versus how a man would react to it and um Sometimes men perceiving it to be for them, right, and women perceiving it to be a little bit more abstract because women understand innately. I think a lot of times that it's just not for men. I mean, in some ways, like I said, Elaine, Elaine's camera is for men because it's part of the magic that she's doing. But at the same time, it's also something that she's gotten to a point in her life. I think, uh, as far as how I feel when I watch the film, where it's you know it's a way for her to uh, protect herself mm-hmm. from the outside world, which is what a lot of women do. As far as I mean, I know I can relate to that on a personal level, like using um, the way that I look as a kind of armor sometimes mm-hmm. um, in different ways. You know, every woman uses that differently, but uh, definitely Elaine does too. So it's not just the presentation of glamour for men; it's also what a I personal thing that she does to you know be a str- to feel strong in her own space. And that's you mentioning Trish because. I like when they have the conversation in the tea room yeah. because it's like they both have a different outlook mm-hmm. on like basically I feel like what's important to them. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And, you know, that's so interesting to me because oftentimes, again, in a lot of newer films, you don't see women being represented differently. It's just like, oh, there's this one type of woman and this is who she yeah. is where it's like, no, not all women find the same things important um, and we're different. Like, we're not all the yeah. same. But mm-hmm. if you watch a lot of newer cinema, it's like there's kind of this bland or one the, version. The, ju- the the judgmental tone is, is yes. you know, something that I notice a lot. It's for, like, passing commentary on women for presenting in a certain way, which I feel like is something that Anna is definitely against. Um, you're not supposed to be judging the women in her films regarding the way that they look beyond, you know, I mean, like every, I think she realizes everyone's going to do that. It's impossible for us not, you know, it's everybody you see, you judge on a subconscious level, even if you're trying not to. But I think, you know, it's more about the tone in the film, like is the things that people are saying to her or the way that she's being set up in a scene or the space that she's inhabiting. You know, I think it's important to Anna. um, And it's something that I definitely feel like I observe when I watch her films that we're not necessarily supposed to be judging a woman on the superficial standards of previous Mm -hmm. 
you know, film previous cinematic like history and that sort of thing. Cause this yeah. is the, the difference between a masculine gaze and a feminine gaze, you know, like the, the male gaze always being kind of in judgment of women and being like, do I think this is attractive? Do I think this is, you know, um, is this for me in yeah. some ways? And when it's not, and I definitely feel like this is something that, you know, some men, when I, they've watched this film, I think it's been difficult for them to perceive what it's trying to say because it's, not for men <laughs> you know and men are used to things being for them mm -hmm. so it's like when you're confronted with something that has a tone that you're not familiar with it's like it can kind of leave you in a situation where you're questioning the worth of the thing or whatever it is do you think that that is right rosalie no i i do and i you know it's funny because when i think about watching a lot of newer films i think and i don't know how you feel but just I've gotten used to just trying to find something in it that I like. Because <laughs> I know we were yeah. talking about this before we started well, something recording. That's for, that's for us, right? For us, Not right. Just liking it, but being, is this, was this like, made how can with I relate? Yeah, how can I relate to it? Yeah. Where it's like when I watched this, I was like, I relate to it so much, you know? Um, and I don't, sometimes it's a struggle with newer films. Like finding something in there that I'm like, oh, this was made for me. That makes me so happy to hear right. it. Because it really is true. Like there's very, very few times that I can watch a movie and just be like, eh, mm -hmm. eh I don't know. I don't know these people. That's, uh, you know, I, that's something that doesn't happen to me too often. Yeah. Uh, Mark Bernardin is a writer for Entertainment Weekly, I think, mm -hmm. Hollywood Reporter, a couple other places. Um, he's a black critic and he had this really great conversation about Black Panther that I thought was so interesting where he was talking about so, you know, the sort of vocal, like, uh, this this men's rights movement, whatever, that, that uh, has also taken on neo-Nazis, all this stuff, right? But he was talking about this vocal sort of, like, white people being like, how am I supposed to relate to these characters? And he's like, I am a black man. Right. I have spent my entire life figuring out how to relate to characters that mm. don't look like me. You can't give me one. You can't figure out how to do that for one movie. I've spent a lifetime figuring that out. I've had to. Exactly. There's no other way for me to get into movies except to figure out how to engage with people that don't look like me. Well, well, wasn't it Kumail Nanjani? Yeah, didn't he say something during that, that sequence in the Oscars, which was probably my favorite part of the Oscar this year because <laughs> talked actually talked about Wonder Woman. <laughs> Someone talked about Wonder Woman. Yeah. Uh, thank you, Barry Jenkins. But... Um, <laughs> Yeah, because he said something about that where he's like, I've spent my entire life trying to relate to experiences exactly. that are different than mine because I haven't had any other choice. Yeah. So it's time for those of us who haven't gotten yep. things to get them and yep. for other people who have gotten things to relate to us. Yeah, to start. So. Like, he said something in his quote that always stuck with me, the cap on it. He said, I've been doing it my whole life. It's easy. Right. It's easy. It's and like, it is easy. Yeah. It is easy. It's like anything, like riding a bike, you do yep. it for a while and then you get used to it and you know you can you know, know how to do it. So you were saying on the way over here, I mean, and that's why it's so important that we have access to so many films now. Mm -hmm. I mean, and it makes me laugh when you read like a Spielberg saying, Oh, Netflix, those aren't movies. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. Bob Exhibition's a good thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> because these these God services. Love him. He is an old white guy. So right. He's learning. These <laughs> services Hopefully. are allowing other people to make yeah. films mm -hmm. and yeah. allowing other people to have a voice. Yeah, more and voices. to your point about the Black Panther, that was more than just a superhero movie yes. for people. Mm -hmm. I mean, that was the first time they saw themselves represented. It was representation. Yeah. Right. That's, yeah. And plus, it was a really good movie. So <laughs> oh, I yeah. love that, that movie. That movie was yeah. bad. I, yeah. I saw it a couple days ago just to like get ready for Infinity War, and oh, it was yeah. packed. Yeah. It was packed on a That's Sunday great. afternoon. It was yeah. so awesome. That's and cool. people were like buzzing over it yeah, still. Yeah, I mean, like, real and look, it's, 
came out in February. It's yeah. still playing. Oh, it's yeah. crazy. You know, a movie hasn't done that in years. Yeah, let's see You know how long Infinity War sticks around. I, I haven't it's seen It's going to drop off quickly. Yeah, it's going to have so. an explosive like two, yeah. three weeks, and then it's going to drop yeah. off. And then Black Panther's going to stay in the theater. Yep. They're going to do another IMAX run on that. Mark yeah, my bet. words. Yeah. It's yeah. going to happen. Yeah. That's going to be a movie that comes back perennially. You know, it'll oh, just yeah. come back oh, again yeah. and again because it's not just a superhero movie. It's mm-hmm. about people being able exactly. to feel like they are being seen. Yeah. Same with Wonder Woman, you know. Yes. And that was a movie that I felt that way about, I you know, where I was just was like, badass. like I, you know, like, and I, <laughs> I talked about this last time we went on the other cast, but it was just, you know, an emotional experience for me. One that I didn't expect to have. And I was just sort of like, I went into it and I was like, okay, whatever. And then I was like, came out and I was just like, I need a minute, you know, yeah. like, and I still feel that way when I talk about it. And so I'm sure there are, you know, there are plenty of people who feel the same way. Every time they talk about about Black Panther, you know, feeling that emotional sort of like gut feeling, which if that's not what cinema is about, yeah. like what is it about? Yeah. You know, exactly. Like it's that feeling. In so. the opposite direction, we had an episode where we watched. Uh, oh, it was an episode of Shame Files where oh, we yes. watched The Devil Wears Prada. Yeah. And so I had never seen it before. Garrett never I've seen it before. I've actually never seen that one. I have. Well, Adrian, yeah. Adrian Grenier or Adrian Grenier, however it is. Oh, yeah, that dude. He, he's just like the, the smiley, supportive boyfriend. That's yeah. all he does. Yep. And he just shows up and she's like, well, I'm doing this now. And he's like, okay. We're like, mm, okay. Think, is but that the only film where he ever does that? Probably. He, well, yeah. I mean, he's, I don't know if he's much better yeah. than that generally. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, um, the, uh. That was just something that we're watching. We're like, who the hell is this guy? What the fuck kind of character is this? And we were watching it with Jill, and she was like, yeah, that's that is like literally the girlfriend in every movie. But the (laughs) you know, we just flipped it a little bit because I I would never think about that. Yeah. And then you know, I see him, and it's like he's he can do better. Yeah. Well, and (laughs) and the real like loud version of that that was like very obvious was uh, Chris Hemsworth character in the Ghostbusters movie. Yes. Oh yeah. Yeah. That was like a big evident parody of the. Hot girl in the office I lo- that everybody's That's probably my over. favorite role of his. Oh, he's <laughs> to so be great honest. In that he's movie. very funny on that Someone movie. said something on Twitter that was like, Oh, remember when we were little kids and we always had to be Janine? Yeah. Well, congratulations, you're Kevin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I love the, the boldness of them casting Chris Hemsworth. They're yeah, like, yes. We're gonna it's gonna be Chris Hemsworth. Yeah. It's not gonna be some guy, right. you know. Right. Yeah. 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 And you know he was like, I'm gonna do it. Oh, yeah. He's, yeah. he's like yeah. loving he's it. God's yeah. perfect idiot. Yeah. He's like, Yeah, on point. Yeah. Uh well, so I so one of the things that I, I like really like about the Love Witch is I think it's very funny. Uh, it's very very funny to me, and I, you know, we were talking about you were saying like this is not really a, a movie for men. It's a, it's a, a movie for women, but we're also talking about like right. But sometimes like you should be able to go sit down and watch those things and try and relate to them and oh, engage with them. Right? The, yeah, that's yeah. the conversation we were just having. Exactly. You know, it's like, absolutely. This movie is like a perfect example of that for me. Like I do not find it difficult to get inside of this movie at all. Like it, I w- to me, I was like reading it the whole time. Like I knew exactly what it was trying. Or See, I had to I ride the like craft I, of it for yeah. a few minutes. And then once I figured out at least to some degree what was going on, it, it went beyond like, because at first I'm like, all right, I, I don't know. I, this is very impressively made. It took like fifteen minutes to to get me in there. Yeah, yeah, but it, it well, it's like once she gets to that first uh, that professor that she starts yeah. courting, oh, yeah. and he's like such a ridiculous like. It, it, to me, it's like at that point, it should be pretty obvious, like what this movie yeah. is like trying to get at. I think honestly, it was the first time that I met a man, and I was like, oh, okay, I know what's I know what's going on. Yeah, here, yeah. you know, yeah. 
Uh, but to me, it's the tea room scene was where I really like started picking up what the movie is trying to lay out. When she is speaking with Trish and they're talking about their sort of opposing views about what love is, what it means to them, how they see their relationship to men in the world. Uh, it was very clear to me that like, oh, okay, so this is like, this is what, so, but here's what I was going to say. What I, what is interesting to me, and I, I have no, I'm just curious how you guys feel about this. My read on the movie was because it looks like a movie from like the 60s, from the Technicolor era. My read on the movie was like, it is trying to address like kind of like the gender politics of that era and, and what women were, were sort of represented in that era versus the modern gender politics and our, you know, sort of the way um, we're like, we're growing to sort of um, be less patriarchal, basically. Uh, and as Trish says, patriarchal. Yes, yeah, it yeah, sounds yeah. so wonderful. Patriarchal. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, and I, so I found the whole movie was like kind of exploring this idea of like these two different, um, I guess, like eras of like uh, gender politics. And it was interesting to me because um, like the main character, um, Samantha, uh, is like almost feels like the one that represents like an older version of gender politics. The way that she is talking about what she wants, you know, the way she thinks men. She, she sounds be- like that cookbook from the fifties. Yeah, her whole. It's like make sure you're quiet when he right. comes home. It was a stressful day at work, you know, like that kind of thing. So her whole lens is basically like, um, uh, like everything I do is in service of men. Like everything I do is for their service. And Trish is like kind of opposed to that. And th- so the first time I saw it, that was like mostly what I thought about it was like, oh, okay, so this is just like trying to oppose these, these two, like these gender politics. But then watching it again, I realized that one of the first things Samantha references is like this trauma in her past with um, a, a previous lover. And it started to read to me this time as like, you know, this is a woman that is like, has been traumatized. And the is, trauma is a big part of it. Yeah. And is yeah. like now kind of like she's like literally experimenting with like different versions of what she thinks men want from her because of this traumatic experience she had is is this making any sense like am i i think it makes perfect sense and it even coalesces in a sort of half fantasy of marriage yeah right it's yeah she tries everything out yeah like because the first guy is like uh, uh like i will use sex to lure him in the second guy is like trying to have an affair of some sort and then the third guy is trying to get married, is, tra- mm. is trying to just go that route. And so they each represent these, like, to, or to me, they seem like they each represent these, like, different love experiences that she thinks will sort of end in some sort of, like, stable relationship, which it seems like is the thing she's, like, ultimately looking she wants for. Love. Yeah. But it seems like the but reason it, she has chosen these paths to that, right, that is part of it due is, to this like trauma that she had experienced. Absolutely. That's a big I mean, that's absolutely a big theme in the film. Yeah. I know Anna has talked a bunch of times okay. about um uh Elaine's trauma being Elaine. I keep Samantha's the actress's name. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Uh her trauma just being a, a big part of the narrative and um sort of leading her down a path where she, the way that she is perceiving love is, is going to you know always be a detriment to her partially because she hasn't been able to address the trauma that she's suffered before mm-hmm. um and i mean um uh she Sorry, I lost my train of thought. It's I was okay, because I was going to say just something then... when, when I interviewed her that she brought up was also just showing what it feels like to be a woman, meaning like a combination of you're worshipped, you're admired, you know, people fear you, you're ostracized. And a lot of times that might not even necessarily be something you did. Mm-hmm. It's just like... It's, 
and it's not just a combination of the trauma from Jerry, her ex-husband, Jerry, yes, who she talks right. about a bunch of times, mm-hmm, Jerry. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but it's also the uh, the the trauma that she's sort of um, dealt with with um, the coven that she's a part of. Yes, and uh, right. the character of the gay and character um, is a big part of that trauma too. Yes. Um, this is why I brought up the Vitch earlier, by the way, because that was where these two yes. movies became. I was like, oh my god, these movies have this very parallel kind of thing going on in them. But so continue your point. I just want to make sure I bring that up again. Oh well, I was just going to mention that. Um, uh, there's a little bit of uh, there's a few small scenes in the film I feel where um, Annabelle kind of talks very in a very subtle way about um, the ways that uh, witchcraft has kind of been usurped by men sometimes mm-hmm. I don't know how much you guys know about any sort of I, I don't craft I really don't. stuff yeah yeah but um, I, I mean as far as like um, she talks like several times if you've uh, listened to anything that she's said about the film and why she chose to do things the way that she did and everything. But, you know, there's a scene where um, Elaine basically has to do like she doesn't show the sex happening, but there's right. like a sex initiation. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's like a very old fashioned um, thing that they used to do in old covens, specifically in the, like the 70s. Um, mm-hmm. I guess there are probably covens that still do that. Mm-hmm. I don't know anyone personally who's involved in that sort of a coven. But um, that just sort of being uh, in the past, having been kind of a sinister way for men to, you know, like sort of make women, coerce women into having sex yes. with them by being like, in order to be initiated into this coven, you have to have sex with the mm-hmm. patriarch or whatever, you know, mm-hmm. and that being something that Elaine obviously suffers in the film. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, there's also another scene where they're all in the bar. She's with Gay and Barbara. Um, yes. And they're both sort of talking to these new girls who are about to be initiated into the coven, the twins. And um, Anna was talking about how um, she got uh, a lot of the dialogue. I don't know if it was like verbatim. I think it was kind of a paraphrase, but um, she talks about how she got a lot of that from the Satanic Bible. Mm. And um, uh, Antoine LaVey, who is the, you know, the guy who founded the Satanic Church or the Satanic Temple in like its current incarnation, um, talks a lot about in the Satanic Bible, apparently, uh, about how, you know, like women need to present in a, um, like a, an alluring way. Mm. Um, because like it, you know, and she talks about this, how he, his thing where he was like, you're an enchantress. So you have to present mm-hmm. in this way that's mm-hmm. alluring. Mm-hmm. And, but it, she sort of gave like random, originally gave random dialogue to Gan and random dialogue to Barbara. So they were both sort of telling the girls the thing at the same time, sure. but realized later that sort of every time Gan talks, it sounds very sinister and everyone's yes. like, Oh, gross. And like every time Barbara talks, it sounds very feminist yeah. and like sort of like the odd space that you're in at that point where you're like, is it feminist or is it not? Yes. And like, not really being like everyone sort of had needing to make their own decision during that scene yeah. about what they perceive as like a feminist empowerment, Yes, you know? And that's, sort of just I, I perceive that personally to be something that like we're still having a dialogue about that yeah. and it's like not the same and not everybody's going to give you the same answer for that scene yeah some people when they watch that scene they're going to be like I think they were trying to be empowering and other people are going to be like no it was evil you know and and Anna Biller has said that before that she does she does feel like there's like a kind of an evil undercurrent to like sort of trying to initiate these innocent girls mm-hmm. who don't have life experience into immediately thrusting them into this environment where they are expected to be sexual because they've been told it, it's an empowering right. thing. And we've said before that like Anna is like, there are different ways that women find empowerment. You right. know, it's not going to be the same for all of us. Mm-hmm. So to tell a woman that she has to be this way in order to be empowered is inherently kind of an evil thing to do. Exactly. And I think that's another you know point that I was trying to make was that some people too, they just have ideas from things they've watched, things they've seen, and then they just think automatically, oh, it's this type of woman. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, it, and I think that's, you know, speaking to our society, just 
you know, and unfortunately a lot of people do watch films and maybe that's how they learn about different people. Mm -hmm. So if we're just showing the same version over and over again, then it's just something people get used to. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That, um, the, uh, what is the the guy's Gayen? Is that his name? That, that yeah, that like the, the like the creepy like yeah. coven oh, yeah. master, or whatever. right? So he w- and I think it was even that scene in particular. I think she based him kind of you know on like an Anton Lavey kind yeah. of like satanic. That makes like, sense to cult me. Cult leader, like yeah, yeah. <laughs> definitely kind of presenting as like this benign sort of you know patriarch, and then just sort of being a weird creep. Like yeah. Well, that that scene, I think it was that scene. Is that the one where? I, and I know this happens a couple times in the movie, but is that the is that the first time we see him? Uh, greet one of the women where he like kisses their feet. Yeah. He kisses their knees. It's he Elaine that he belly. does it too, and she's right. very, she's, she's obviously very uncomfortable. Like, yeah, with and it. that's you know, and that's why I said it, that's part of her trauma too. Is sort yeah. of like not just you know Jerry, but like every relationship her having had with men up until this point being a toxic one, and yeah. so her like not even having a good sort of like basis for comparison as far as like what she would want in right. someone uh, other than like what she doesn't want. Yeah. And then her not knowing how to deal with it in a healthy way because she's not addressing the trauma. Right. And she's like, in the beginning, she's like, I, my therapist says that a lot of people go through yeah. this and they're fine. Yeah. You know? And I'm like, your therapist is a piece of shit. I know. Like, that line made me laugh. I was like, this like, is ridiculous. You're like, oh no. You're like, your therapist is also yeah. probably a man yes, who did exactly. not have your best interests yeah. at heart. You know? So it's like, that's just a running theme in the film. You yeah. know, of, of, and then um, there was another thing that um, Anna Beller said when she was talking about um, like Elaine's relationships with the other men in the film and everything. And it's not all on her. There's a part, you know, like there's this thing where she said um, she can never be fulfilled because of the limitations in the men that she loves. Mm-hmm. So it's sort of like her not looking for the right characteristics mm-hmm. in people to like have the kind of fulfilling relationships that she really does crave yeah. and that she's looking for. You know, she's emphasizing again again that she's really obsessed with the idea of love. Mm-hmm. And so like, you know, you, you get the Renaissance Pharisee and yeah. where like she's like, there's like a horse and like she She's just like, this is like my dream, you know, like, and this is what I really want. But like, but then them like sort of like feeding each other and but like hearing their internal monologues where he's just like, I don't think so. You know, like, I don't think I can like be in a relationship with a woman or whatever. And just like being like, oh, this is, you know, but there's something inherent. I I mean, I find the the film every time I revisit it, I think I also find it kind of inherently a sad film. Mm -hmm. And um, there are funny parts in it, you know. Um, there are some really, there are some scenes that are really fun, like when she's like doing her strip tease for like the professor guy, and he's like got these like wild yes. expressions on his face. Yep. You're like, this is great. The men are so funny, it's hilarious, in this, I think. Yeah. yeah. And they, you know, and they're yeah. like doing that on purpose because they, they yeah. you need those moments of like you know levity where you're just like, this is funny, like this yeah. is like and silly. I just, but I think the theme of the film, I mean, is a oh, sad yeah. one. So I, I, I would agree with that for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, sorry, I didn't mean to mischaracterize it as a comedy. Oh, uh, no, no, yeah. no, 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 no. Uh, you know, there yeah. are funny moments. Like yeah. you don't want to be like, this is a dour film. No, I know. Fun it's, film to watch. Yeah. Because when you say the striptease part, I immediately think of the coat. Yes. Like the rainbow oh, yeah. coat. Yep. <laughs> Give the rainbow to you. <laughs> yes. Okay. Can someone explain that to me? She's like, apparently what, what she the, just. Because I, I thought that was a neat touch and I thought it was yeah. very clever and funny, but I don't think is there's there something like any... to that? I don't think there's any deep meaning to it. I could be okay. wrong, but yeah. I think she said something about how she just, it was a line that she heard in another film or another okay. project somewhere. And she just liked the way it sounded. Yeah. And she's like, I'm and just going to, she wanted to make that code. She's like, I'm just going <laughs> to, I want to give the rainbow to you, you know? Yeah. And it's just like, I think it's something that she does fairly often where she just likes the look of something or she likes the way something sounds. I was going to say, that's a very feminine thing mm-hmm. to do is sort of putting things in that because you like them, you <laughs> sure. know, and like not everything needing to have some kind of hidden meaning or yeah. whatever, you know, cause some things do, but some things do don't some things you know yeah. we're i if i were gonna make a film there would be so many 
stupid little things in my film where I was like, I just liked it, you yeah. know? I'd be like, there is no hidden meaning, you know? Yeah. Right. Everybody wants to do the Kubrick or whatever where they're like, this means this. Like, this is the struggle of the Indians or whatever, you yeah. know? Like, I don't know if you guys have seen that oh, documentary the, in the yeah, room. The yeah, yeah, two stories. Yeah. Yeah. Wild conspiracy yeah. theories yeah. about the meaning of The Shining. Cal- and I'm just like, Maybe you just wanted to make a scary movie. Most yeah. films, <laughs> I think, are not like that. Yeah. You know, oh, most yeah. films, I think, the director would be like, I just like the way it looked. I like the way it sounded. It worked when we did the scene. It was improv. It was whatever. put that chair in the wrong place. Yeah, right. Sorry. Yeah. So yeah. I think it's one also of those. Also, you know, with that coat, I mean, it just makes the scene so much more interesting. Yeah. It is a striking because, visual. Yeah. Because, yeah. Well, they they did a lot with. The, I know they were they'd been ta- talking a lot about the lighting in the commentary because yes. the DP did it with her, um, mm-hmm. and he was just talking about you know, using reflective surfaces, using the wine glass to sort of like yep. the shimmery effect on everything. Love and that. Like, yeah. So the rainbow coat being part of that. Exactly. Well, I also, I mean, I, is there something to this idea? If I'm like, if I if we have to unpack the coat, uh, like, is the is there something to this idea that like? You know she is a, she is a witch, right? But like we, the coven we see that she's a part of does seem to be like a little like problematic, and I and it made me wonder like, so does this coven actually know anything about witchcraft, or yeah, is this yeah. really just a dude trying to have sex with a bunch of young yeah. ladies? You know, and so by the time we get to her doing the coat thing, it's like this is part of her magic, right? Like she has she has given him some sort of concoction that she believes to be like a, a magical concoction of sorts that will have an effect on him. She well, there is, is drugs in it, right? Well, and yeah. that's the point I'm trying to get to is like. Ultimately, it just has drugs. She's just giving him drugs. She, she's using the code as like this. I give you the right. She's saying this crazy thing about it, and it's like supposed yeah, yeah. to have this effect in tandem with the drugs. And really, to, to me, it was almost like this is another like mask that she is wearing. This like witch thing, which it seems to be a very empowering mask for her. Like ultimately in the movie, but it is like. Is she doing witchcraft or is she drugging a guy and just like throwing a rainbow coat in front of it? You know what I mean? Like Like, putting him in a trance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I will. I'm gonna. I will say that I am a practicing witch myself. So, um, I think. Uh, it's sort of a combination of the two. Yeah, yeah. I think there are definitely things, you know, she's making a point about the coven having problematic aspects in it, gay and being right. a big part of why it's a problematic cult. Yes. Like, cult. <laughs> coven. Yes. Um, more like a cult because he's in it right, and yes. he's in charge of things, yes. right? But Barbara, his wife, is also a big part of that. Right. And she's more, I think, supposed to be representative of like who, like, a, sort of an average witch would be like in real life, where she's okay. for sort of in it for very sincere reasons mm-hmm. and truly believes in the feminism of what she's talking about. Mm-hmm. And, um, definitely believes in it you know mm-hmm. and a lot of people in the coven definitely believe in it and yeah. elaine definitely believes she does in it, you yeah. know regarding whether or not i don't know anna Biller is making commentary about the sort of validity of the witchcraft right. of the film i think is sort of up to interpretation yeah. depending on who you're talking to and how you're perceiving the film but Probably. i mean i think there's definitely you know like some sort of it's implied, I think, that there is some real magic. Some work. real magic happening. I think if you're you right. want to perceive yeah. it that way, she's not super specific, you right. know. But um, I think there's definitely and some and and her sort of making commentary about how women do kind of have an inherent magic to them mm-hmm. that you can sort of call it what you will, yeah. but women have an effect on people. Well, there's that scene where she's just walking through the streets and men are like literally which is almost something falling that over to yes. women all the time, I know. which might seem wild and no. outlandish and comical to some people, but uh, it's just I, to me that was just her being like, "This is just how it is to be a woman in this world, guys." That's you know, like, that's a problem that I hope everybody is like Not hyper being aware a silly of now. Scene to me, yeah, no. I, th- like I hope that's a problem people are like hyper aware of by now, um, and it doesn't sound ridiculous. You know, like I don't read that scene as like, right. oh, this is like a totally insane thing that's happening on the streets. Like, no, that's the experience most women in my life have told me they have mm. on a day to day basis. But I think it speaks to the the way it's presented, where it's like it's not it, it is not like um, uh, guys in construction hats like whistling at her. It's it's literally men like almost falling over as she goes mm. by. That there is yes. this like inherent magic to her womanhood that is. 
yeah. uh, you, you know, affecting these men that, that are and that her. being kind of a way that definitely the definitely being a way that she feels empowered. Yes. You know, it's not really up to us, the audience, I think, to pass judgment on whether or not that's you know a good thing or a bad thing. I right. think everybody will, regardless. Yeah. You know, they'll be like, oh, she should, you know, like she should be more comfortable with herself, or she should, you know, why should whatever. she wear such fashionable hats? Yeah, <laughs> like why, why, why she doesn't need guys. to have these, or, you know, but like, it's but it's something that definitely in the character in the context of the film finds it empowering. Yes, and and I can I felt like I could relate to that, you mm-hmm. know, like just not feeling like me not feeling comfortable passing judgment on her because there are so many things that I felt like I have in common with her. Not you that know, makes sense. the sociopathic tendency to sure. murder yes. people yeah. <laughs> or to put love spells on people yeah. to get them to like me or whatever. But like, right. you know, presentation wise, absolutely. Mm-hmm. So yeah, she's got that big line at the end. And I think you even like quoted it in the uh, Twitter interaction we were having mm-hmm. where she says like, I found my power in, wi- in witchcraft. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, that scenes, that's a really intense scene. I mean, it's right at the end. Yeah. Um, uh, And she is sort of, coming into a moment where she's getting fed up, right? Finally, yeah. where you're just like, she's put up with so much, like just, just uh, hugely disappointing behavior from people mm-hmm. around her, but also her not being in a healthy mental state yeah. either. But finally getting to a point where she is sort of saying something that's true mm-hmm. instead of putting up a front as she has for a lot of the film because she hasn't felt comfortable or safe, mm-hmm. you know, and her finally being like, no, like I am going to keep doing this. This makes me feel empowered and you can't stop me and it's not wrong. And right. I know you're going to try me, try to tell me that it is, but it's something is a way that I've reclaimed power in my own life. I mean, and after that, like it's, like I said, it's a very charged scene because like then the mob sort of yes. thing and everything. Yeah. So, and that's sort of the climax of the film, yeah. but with the end scene, but, um, yeah, I mean, it, I I mean, I think there's definitely moments where there is definitely uh, an undercurrent in the film where I think a lot of women are supposed to be able to relate to Elaine mm-hmm. um, and to not judge her as, you know, she has sort of villainous qualities, right? Yeah. But so do we all, you know, mm-hmm. like nobody is going to be a totally good person or a totally bad person. But an undercurrent being that even though Elaine has her own problems, like we are supposed to be able to uh, feel close to her sometimes, mm-hmm. specifically as women um, in the context of the film, I think. But Rosalind? No. Oh, okay. I mean, I'm agreeing with you. Yeah. I yeah. mean, I definitely feel there's aspects to the character that I relate to, but to your point, I don't want to go out and murder people. Yeah. yeah. Well, and there's like that. But especially that end scene, you know, feeling like, like I think a lot of women are like, no, like, <laughs> you know, she deserves to feel loved and she deserves to um, feel I, empowered and to not constantly be told that, you know, her all her like her only worth is in the way that she looks well, or and anything I think like that. To your, you know, something you said, I mean, you're allowed to like the things that you like mm-hmm. and not like certain things. And sometimes I do feel, especially when I'm interacting with other folks, I mean, it's like oh, well, you're a girl, you have to like this. And mm-hmm. I'm like, no, I don't. Yeah. You know, And I actually like a lot of things that probably you know, surprise people, but mm-hmm. that's the whole point of having a conversation, talking to somebody, getting to yeah. know them, yeah. versus just being like, oh, well, you're a girl, so yeah. you have to like this. You look like this, so yeah. then so we, these we things are true. Like stereotype things? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. That's not a thing we do? Yeah. Right. All right. I just, just to jump back... Yeah. Um, also, with the, the rainbow coat, now that I'm thinking about yes, it, back when Technicolor coat. became a thing, yeah. that became coat. a thing, too. Totally. It was like, oh, we got to put some color into this. Yeah. We, I you think know, that's people sad. See it, you know? Just for love of classic cinema. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I remember my dad telling it. me that when they first got TVs with color, 
uh, my grandfather worked for RCA, so he had one of the first color TVs, and mm -hmm. everyone was like, oh, we want to come over and look at the football helmets. Mm -hmm. And that was the big thing. Just because color, they wanted to see the most colorful thing they could think of. Yeah. And so, yeah, hell, the Technicolor Dreamcoat. Yes. You yeah. know, that's that's part of that, you yeah. know, just that Technicolor era. That's interesting. So, yeah, that's my read on the code. Yeah, it's colorful. Which is an interesting allusion. Which you could also probably say too about like when they transition from silent to movies with sound, then it's like, oh well, we have to have everybody talking all the time. Yeah, yeah, right. Because now we can. Because we can. And singing. And singing. And loudly dancing. We even yeah. see exactly. it now too, where it's Stop like, dancing. oh, we figured like, out how to yeah. make it look like someone got Sound. blindsided by a bus, yeah. and then every movie has someone getting blindsided yeah. by a bus. Or we figured for a while out it was like, oh, we figured out how to cut someone in half, and then they don't realize they're cut in half, and then they split into yeah, two pieces. Yeah, I was gonna say, and wait till you watch keeps happening. the Final Destination movies, because yeah, yeah, yeah. that's it's like each one things. they're just trying to top the deaths. Well, the I mean, de-aging is becomes. the one now. We figured out how to de-age people. Let's just find every old actor we can get and de-age them. And I'm still in recovery from now. Whenever I see someone driving a car and the shot is looking over their yeah. shoulder every time they pass an intersection i know that they're gonna get oh, t-boned yeah. and that stopped happening yeah. but i'm still trained to think about that dude I, I spent a lot of ladybird because like a lot of ladybird <laughs> yes. is her in the car with her mom being like oh my god they're gonna die because i have like ptsd from so many movies so you must like love that. the opening scene right yeah exactly she literally yeah. throws herself out of the car yeah. Yeah. mid speaking yeah i wrote down a quote from a review that i read Oop. <laughs> Mike. Uh, there was a review that I read on theconversation.com and Marion Gibson was the writer and the quote and uh, what she was saying about the movie is that the movie that Love Witch was saying let's enjoy the ludicrous gender politics of mid-century Hollywood so long as we know it's ludicrous yeah interesting yeah that's kind of what I was trying to get at that it felt like part of the look of or at least the look of the movie made me consider that it could be like some of the reason it feels like I'm hearing like almost like re reductive like uh, gender politics in it, or because it's trying to comment on gender politics of that time mm -hmm. and era. Like the the scene uh, at, at the Renaissance where they're doing the the voiceovers that are like going back and forth mm -hmm. is like really interesting to me because like essentially what's happening is like she's kind of describing like, well, I do all of these things uh, in service of men. I do all of these things because men like I. I think men expect these things of me. And then his monologue is all like, you know, I really expect women to do these different things. And it's like literally yeah. the way we raised men and the way we raised women was to go like, hey, men, everything that women do is to serve you. And women, everything you do is to serve men. And it's this weird actual like that what that ends up creating is like two diametrically opposed ideas of like it seems like what they're trying to do is like fit these two things together. But it creates people that like actually can't really relate mm -hmm. at all or or successfully have any kind of relationship Which together. I think, again, you can speak to having different people make movies yeah. because mm -hmm. then you get these different perspectives, yep. different opinions, mm -hmm. you know, and you see a different way of life, so to speak. I mean, that I think is the problem. Like when, yeah. and she is probably making a commentary about some older films because I think partially because she loves them, right? Sure. So it's yeah. like an affectionate sort of critique. But I mean, the film's supposed to be set in the present day. Yes. The love which is because there's a cell phone. And I love when she pulls computers. the cell phone yeah, out. The like, cell phone style of the film is more, uh, you know, because yes. she prefers it and yeah. she likes the way that it looks and yeah. everything. I mean, I think it's very positive to say that none of that reductive sort of gender politic is still prescient because I oh, think it is. Yeah, it is. You know, a lot of women are still raised that way. Yeah. Um, yeah. A lot of women. Um, haven't been able to get out of the problematic thinking that um, everything they do is supposed to be for men mm -hmm. or for, you know, like what do men think of this when yeah. I do this or whatever. Um, and um, 
I know you can't go like one of the things that I've had to deal with and everyone has to deal with when you've become an adult movie fan is you look at at the older movies and you go, oh, man, I love this movie with all of my heart. And that is a fundamentally wrong thing about it. Yeah. We don't think like that anymore. We think better than that now. So I would imagine with her love for old cinema, there's there's a fair amount specifically in the gender politics that is distinctly problematic. So for her to take that, recreate it and do it, I guess, do it right. She's trying to unpack it, I think, which is like so interesting. Yeah. And and to your point, I mean, it does that the thing that is unfortunate about it is it's like even as I'm watching it and going like, oh, interesting. She's trying to comment on the politics of the time that this movie looks like it's from. I mean, that's still the case like that. the, The really unfortunate thing is it's like whether I think that's what's going on in this movie or not, those are still the problems like we're facing right now well, you know what i mean exactly and i think again you know it goes back to who's making the film what are they trying to say because yeah. i know you brought up ladybird but that's something i liked about it because watching the mom and the daughter and the conversations i was like that's my mom mm-hmm. and i know some people like when i read a few reviews some you know guys thought wow the mom was like really hard on her and abusive and i'm like like yeah, that's yeah. just the way just how you you mothers banter and daughters back and are forth. exactly yeah. Yeah. so like but it was cool to see that mm-hmm. represented because you don't see it a lot no i always talk on the show about how i love father-son stories mm-hmm. like those like crush me that that's like the one thing you can do in a movie that it's like i don't care what your movie's about if it's a father-son story i'm in right and yeah you can do it bad right and, like and i'm still, still in that does I mean it's not that it doesn't exist but way rarer is it to see a mother-daughter story Mm -hmm. Um, I think a lot of people just haven't had any kind of exposure to it unless you're a woman who is raised by a mother right yes unless you had the experience so to see it in a realistic way is is like can be like jarring for people who haven't had the experience father and son is it's become a subgenre yes to your point which comes to mind um, I don't know if you guys have seen 20th century women I haven't but, seen that yet. But he was the director, mm-hmm. Mike Mills, he mm-hmm. was primarily raised by his mom. Mm-hmm. So I felt he did a great depiction of that relationship. Mm-hmm. And but yeah, I mean you rarely see it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean and, and moms often are like, you know, relegated to roles of like a, a problem in someone's life. I feel like in oh, movies they're a nag. too. Yeah. They're always yeah. the nag. Yeah. yeah. My mom's not an egg. Yeah. My mom is awesome. No, my mom rules. <laughs> yeah. So in a wider sense, I think, you know, it's more like, for instance, Greta Gerwig's Ladybug or, or um, you know, Anna Biller's The Love Witch, where we're seeing very specific sort of dynamics between different kinds of women mm-hmm. and needing as many of those films as possible and more of those films because it's definitely going to be a different experience between the women in the film every single time. Yeah. And like, you know, you guys talking about father son films and how there's so many of them and how every you know dynamic in those films is going to be a different one because you're dealing with different kinds of characters who've been raised in different ways and who have had you know different experiences the same is going to be true of any two women in a in a narrative um and that every single time it's going to have something to offer you know Mm -hmm. because it's gonna it's going to be coming from a different storyteller yeah who had a different experience or wrote a different story or whatever it is. So, you know, the relationship between Elaine and Trish in The Love Witch or between Lady Bird and her mom in that film or whatever, you know, it's like it's its own specific kind of thing. And like the list sometimes feels shorter just because you feel like you haven't been able to see women telling their own stories Mm -hmm. before, you know, in a way that 
I don't know where they've had, you know, the resources that they wanted to have and that yeah. sort of thing. Cause that's a big part of it too. Yeah. You know, like access gatekeeping, like all yeah, that women, stuff. women, women getting to make the films that they want to make, yeah. Yeah, it which took I, her 10 years to do it, which is yeah. a big deal yeah. for her, exactly. obviously, which yeah. I think, you know, she doesn't want someone else making her film or trying to tell the story that she wants to tell, you know, and yeah, the, the way that she wants, she wants, she wants it to, to look a certain way. So, I think I read there was like a, I think Jacob sent us this. There was like an IndieWire article about this movie. And mm. it, it might have been an interview with her. I, I don't remember. But she she was, ta- uh, they were talking about how she like basically had to struggle against the crew of this movie to make this movie. Oh, yeah. That was, she actually posted like a Twitter thread. I think like last year. Yeah, sometime, she'll do little all anecdotes on her Twitter sometimes about, you know, having something that happened when she was making Viva, something that mm-hmm. happened when she was making The Love Witch, why she chose to make this decision, you know, like mm-hmm. what, do the scene a certain way or whatever, like sort of, which is fun when you're just going scrolling through well, your Twitter, getting like little fun facts from yeah. her all the time. Little you know, it's, she's which so really ha- hands on with everything, like everything, yeah. you could, and you get to know, like you start to realize how meticulous everything is that everything does sort of. You know, she was aware of everything on the set and, really all, and exactly the colors used for everything. And I enjoyed reading that thread because I felt that it's, you know, something that people just don't think about. I mean, when I made a film in school, or I was the I, idea of being gaslit. Right. Yeah. Well, I remember, you know, the, gr- the group I worked with was great. Everybody was really collaborative and it was my first film. I was shooting on Super 16. But one of the things that I remember that I'll probably never forget is that when one of the teachers asked me, he's like, well, you never made a film. And I'm like, no, that's why I'm in school. I'm literally in school right now. And you know, exactly. But it's like, well, it's not like I'm performing brain surgery. I mean, I want to make a film. I want to try it somewhere. Exactly. But I was fortunate enough that the people that I surrounded myself with were really collaborative and helpful and just wanting to help me accomplish the vision that Mm -hmm. I wanted. And when I read that, I felt just sorry for her, Mm -hmm. you know, that she had to fight that much to make something. And the fact that people didn't trust her. And the fact that Mm -hmm. that's still, that's just, you know, that was within the past two years. Right, exactly. We're not talking about the far past. We're talking about the present. Because I've seen, I know a lot of actors that not being anything for a paycheck. It's just working with women that way. A Sharknado. It's anything for a paycheck. Nobody questions a Sharknado when they're on the set. And so then the question becomes, why do people question her vision? Yeah. Especially, I mean. It's not that bizarre. Yeah. Even if it is, collect your paycheck. I don't think anybody could say she didn't plan. I mean, I don't think it was uh, the actors so much on the set. It was the crew and the crew that were resistant sometimes to her direction, you know? Well, and that's also like, you know, I know. look at Viva and go, at least I have a semblance of what she's going for, you know? And I don't even think she was talking about you know like the main crew like no, the dp yeah. i think she was talking about like the you know probably the, gaffers the other, or, yeah the gaffers yeah. or whoever you know who were just sort of like not used to working for a woman uh, right and like her, it'll be better her giving them sort of you way, know yeah. constructive criticism right. for instance and yeah. then being like you know and yeah. her just be like i'm just trying to direct this yeah, yeah. Film, i know, you know what i want to make then, i'm gonna make yeah, it. yeah, yeah. yeah. and yeah. her just being like there was animosity that you know would not have happened if i were a man yeah that Totally makes sense. You can't accuse this movie of not being like a pure vision. No, yeah. You know, this is somebody's dream project that she made. Yeah. Uh, 
And now we're just all going to have to wait for her next project. Yeah. Oh, yeah. What is it? The Bluebeard <laughs> thing? Yeah, she's I, I doing a Bluebeard. She talks about she's it. She's definitely been keeping it under wraps. So I feel like she posted like, like some artwork she, the she other day. Yeah. Post, like I saw a blog post about it, but that was like a while back. It was kinda, yeah. And uh, the w- she has it pinned, I think, at the top of her Twitter right now. The sort of yes. conceptual post that she yeah, made yeah. about exactly. the Bluebeard movie. Yep. Where she just sort of used some old like gothic pictures that she had found that sort of were the vibe that she's going to go for and that sort of thing. It was, you know, definitely pre- early pre-production stuff, mm-hmm. you know, where well, she's, she's just got like, eight I'm more just years. brainstorming <laughs> yeah, right yeah, now. We're good. She's, she's, not the, she's not the kind of person who's just going to throw a film together. You right. know, it's yeah. like, clearly she's planning on making certain kinds of films in a very specific way yeah. for her whole career. Because and that's her who way. She is. Yeah. I think that's she's probably right. important. Yeah. You know, and she's not going to compromise. I would personally be sad if I had heard, you know, that she had, like, compromised, like, for money or whatever. Yeah. I mean, and that's... I mean, that's hard, too, because that's, like, a double standard for women. Yes. Like, women can't sell out, you know, or yeah. whatever. Oh, it's yeah. like, if she wants to sell out, she can. Sell or whatever. out, yeah. But, like... But dudes do it all the time. Yeah, they I do mean, it all the yeah. time. And so sometimes that's it's a heartbreaking. Thing. But, like, on a personal level, you know, like, I really love that there's so much that she has her finger on for her films. Like, you know, and I'm sure it's an immense amount of work. Yeah. <laughs> but, I, but I appreciate it, and I really like it, you know, and yeah. I would like it. I think it would be great if she could continue to do that you know to make the film that she really wants to make mm-hmm. not somebody else's vision Agreed. not somebody else's set design unless unless that's something that she feels like she wants to hand off you know if she Give wants to Star keep War. doing it please enable yeah, her yeah. to continue to do it actually though could you imagine be the set design if she Star had like a full control of a Star Wars yeah. I would totally would watch the shit out of that that would be awesome <laughs> that would be a strange yeah. film <laughs> oh I would watch the shit out of it oh yeah, yeah. like uh, the Jodorowsky dude movie yeah. where, like, you're just like that would have been a trip yeah 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 uh, when um uh when Edgar Wright left Ant Man yes and it was like oh that sucks that he's not gonna do Ant Man but it was also like good let yeah. him do his own thing yeah yeah yeah, like yeah. Sense, we got Baby like Driver a, so it's yeah like, exactly yeah. make make another level yeah, and, yeah and I think that's you know a good example of like somebody who really ha- just wants to try to be as true to their specific vision yeah. as, as possible you know mm-hmm. took her twenty years to get two films out yeah so hurdles but yeah. It's uh, yeah. I so one one thing I wanted to backtrack to just because I was so interested in this when I was watching it. Like, uh, so I did see it like pretty close in close approximation to the bitch. Uh, and I love that film. I really like that movie. Me too. Uh, and and both he's of doing you- a Nosferatu movie next, oh. which blows my mind. That's but great. I still had, it's gonna be great. Sorry to interrupt you, no, but okay. I still have this like dream that I wish he would have been the one to do the. Dark universe. Oh, oh yeah, that would be incredible. Yeah, I, mean, really, nice. really I will that say, I am definitely just conceptually. I was like, who's in charge of this? All I know yeah. is like, they're like, we're gonna do an action film with Tom Cruise, and everyone's like, forehead slap. Like, <laughs> the day like, that who? The, who do we need the day to, like, the production office the was closed down, I was like, thank God. <laughs> <laughs> They need to stop. Yeah. But I That's really wish he would have right? gotten... But there are directors, clearly, He's... right now, who are capable of making the kinds of universal monster movie reboots that we would want to watch. People who love those films mm-hmm. and who are interested in gothic film, yeah. you know, in, in legitimate... Del Toro practically made one this year. horror films. You know? Yeah. Oh yeah. Del Toro would He's be another one. Yeah. He, he would be great at it. Are you kidding? Like, yeah. have you seen Bleak House? Like, right. <laughs> he would make the film. Yeah. You know, yeah. like it would. And he's another who just meticulous detail yeah. in all of his films. Yeah. He's obsessed with color, obsessed with lighting, obsessed yeah. with detail. You yeah. know, like um, none of his film is untouched by him. You know, right. where every scene is is uh, studied. You know, mm-hmm. uh, everything means something it can be just something that he likes but it still means something to him you know so but yeah i still remember seeing the bitch um the screening was interesting because i feel like my husband and i saw it 
with some other people, obviously we didn't know them, but they all le- left. It seemed like they were displeased. Yo, I had the same experience. <laughs> I had the and exact we were same loving experience. It. I, I too had a bad theater experience with The Witch. Yeah. I loved it, but yeah. Uh, yeah. I went to, I, th- I saw it at the Riverview, which is That's probably the worst place of, in the world to see that film. Yeah. Um, people clearly thought it was going to be uh, more conventional yeah. in the vein of uh, Bloomhouse or, yeah. you know, uh, uh, the the conjuring movies or whatever. Yeah, with I a think lot I thought it was going to be more of an entertainment. Of, kind yeah, of, yeah, yeah, with like you know, like ghosts jumping out, of, like the, the witch yeah. jumping out of the closet, or <laughs> it's like extremely slow yeah. burning, very dark, yeah. very atmospheric yeah. film where everyone speaks in old English. Um, yeah. <laughs> and so you're, sometimes you're like, I don't even know what they said. Yeah. Um, and people just being like very bored. Clearly, like the the you know reading a, a theater room. If you go to see films in the theater a lot you begin to be able to read a room i don't really know how to quantify that words this is in the dark and you can't see anybody but i feel like you do get sort of this sixth sense of like what is is, what's going on in the theater right now you know like how are people perceiving this film but for the witch you know uh, towards the end specifically people started to become vocal in the theater which i found extremely upset I got really upset about it because yeah. I was like, please don't do that. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. I was like, uh, the film's not over yet. Yeah, yeah. Like, I don't really care what you think of it. Like, yeah. if you don't want to watch it anymore, then just leave. Just but leave. like, I yeah. don't, I really could not give a rat's ass about your commentary right now. <laughs> yeah. You know, like it was just very odd to me. Cause yeah. it was like sort of one of my only like really strong memories of a, a, the- a, a, a like a, an audience that kind of started to turn on a film yeah. where I was having a totally different experience than what seemed to be a, a lot of the people in my theater where yeah. I was just like, please shut up, you know, like, and I was like, I just really want to watch the rest of this movie. Yeah. And like, but you know, similar to after just I an got, audience getting something they didn't want or expect, the, I guess. The love witch. I had the similar with the bitch where it's like, I gotta go. I gotta look up all the trivia. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How did he make this thing? Yeah. Like, and I still can't believe he lit everything with candle uh-huh. or daylight. Is that true? I did not know that. Oh, I think yeah. it's natural oh, lit. Yeah. yeah. And then same thing with the costumes. Yeah. They're just, everything's perfect. The old cameras. Yeah. Um, the dialogue yeah. is supposedly lifted from like actual journals and yeah, things that he found so from crazy. that era. You can say that in the, the like, pre-script. Right. Yeah. 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 And that's why, again, why couldn't he do Dark yeah. Universe? He yeah. would have gotten oh, it so right. Yeah, yeah. I would love to see him do a Wolfman. Yeah. I mean, he, like so I said, cool. he is doing an Osferatu movie. Yeah, yeah. Right. yeah that true. will be a dark universe. Yeah, you know true. what I mean? Like but that's going to be somebody awesome. knew that that was something that he could do yeah. when you watch that film. You know, whoever was like really, really loves those old atmospheric yeah. black and white horror films understood that he was the perfect choice for that. Yeah. Exactly. One well, of the things I love so about not the witch that idiot. I think thematically connects. When we talked about the witch on the show before, the witch, I'll say it. We yeah. talked about the witch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, we talked about how in that movie it was this this study of how when you repress something it can like really rot. Yeah. And you know, there's this young girl that is repressing just pretty much everything her because, of, yeah. because yeah. this world is just not at all designed to fit her. And uh, you know, it turns into it turns into a rot. Yeah. And yeah. um and it's know. not I don't think she's so much repressing as being repressed. Being repressed. Yeah, yeah, exactly. exactly. Yeah. That's what I mean, is just the repressed desires can turn into something poisonous. Mm-hmm. And so often, you know, when we're talking about in making the you know, in making something like the love of which there are just hurdles. Yeah. There are hurdles for women in that. And so 
on that level, I would say it connects to the Love Witch very well because it's the study of two women reacting to a world that is forcing repression. Yeah. Well, I, the parallel I wanted to draw between them, uh, the reason I brought it up was actually the gay in character because I, so one of the things that I think is really interesting about the Witch, and I, I truly, I don't even know how I feel about this, but it's like one of the things that I wrestle with with it is um, when you get to the end of the movie, you know, the whole thing is about a society that is repressing this young woman and her have, her literally going like, and I need anything else. Like I, I need some way to express myself. Some way I to would get like out to live this. deliciously, right? Is what she's well, and that is the offer. Like, would you would sell like to live deliciously? It's like, yeah, of, a that's the best offer ever. Like, of course. And B, yeah. what else do I have? Literally, offer me anything else, and I'm going to take it because of the circumstances yeah. I live. All in, I have right? is this goat, and he's right. kind of a dick. And so then she goes, and we we you know you get the finale of the film, that great sort of like five minute final sequence. Yeah, she joins the the, the coven out when the they woods start or, flying. Yeah, that like so even good. thinking about it. Me chills, but it's like beautiful. Film my making. one question about yeah, it, right, is the whole movie is about her living in this patriarchal society that is bad for her, right? right? And what does she, the decision she makes to move to something else? The only thing we know about is it's it's a male's voice that offers her to live deliciously, and she takes it and goes for it. And it's like, is she just moving from like one patriarchal setup to another that looks more appealing? But maybe is could could very well be just as um, uh, uh, detrimental to her. It's just a question I have at the end of that movie because that's the only way that that uh, thing is characterized. And it, when I was watching this, it like as soon as the gay thing started, mm-hmm. and it was very clear that he was like this problematic patriarchal character in the midst of this thing that otherwise could be considered like good and 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 positive and empowering, mm-hmm. uh, and how poisonous that is to that like organization, at least in uh, uh, Elaine's experience. Um, I just I immediately started thinking back to like my experience with the bitch and being like, all oh, right, jumping from like one problematic experience to another, where uh, basically the the problem is the the male figurehead that is actually like poisoning the yeah, waters definitely. and all. They're of both. These. I think both could be or should be considered horror films in right. their own ways. And so you know, part of that is, uh, for instance, the witch ending before yeah. we really get to see what happens to her after yeah. she is sort of, you know, becomes part of this dark thing yeah. that she's been sort of resisting because she was, you know, ensconced in this other dark thing. Yes. And it's like, I, you know, for that, it's, this is still a horror film, mm-hmm. you know, um, and the same with the love, Witch, where, you know, in, in its own way, it's, it too is a horror film where mm-hmm. it's, you know, uh, you need to have sort of this conflict and what you said about, you know, the male influence yeah. um, still being there and then perverting things that um, should otherwise probably be good things, you know? Right. And that's something that's, you know, happened, I think, in um, a lot of the modern strains of, of witchcraft have been sort of the figureheads um, have been men. Mm-hmm. So I think it's partially Anna Biller's commentary on that mm-hmm. in The Love Witch specifically. Um, she talks about having gone to rituals and stuff in the commentary. I don't know. I don't think Anna Biller is an out witch. Um, okay, okay. Because <laughs> sometimes some witches are in the closet. Like any other yeah. part of life, you know, like sometimes you're in the closet about something and yeah. you don't really want to talk about it uh, on a public stage, you know. Um, I think that Anna Biller has sort of, you know, had her own journey there that I don't know if she feels comfortable talking about at this point, but it's mm-hmm. definitely something that she has at least dabbled in. Yeah. I'll put it that way. Yeah. Um, and so I think it's partially, uh, you know, it, c- it could be, this is just sort of conjecture on my part from my own experiences, but um, that anybody who is sort of interested in witchcraft um, usually goes through this process of sort of learning about it, right? Mm-hmm. That there are so many different delineations of paganism mm-hmm. and um, they're all different. Mm-hmm. They all sort of have their own gods or their own, you know, like dogma. They have their own ways of doing things, their own holidays that they celebrate and everything. And so 
if you're interested in it, what you first end up doing is just doing a bunch of research. Yeah. As far as you're like, what do I, gra- what am I gravitating towards? What do I yeah. feel strongly about? White witch, like any kind of religion, witch. right? Yeah, Where yeah. you're just like, what do I, does this speak to me? Yeah. You know, like, um, and so the, unfortunately though, the problem with a lot of the time is, um, like I was talking about Anton LaVey before mm-hmm. from the, you know, satanic temple or, um, uh, modern Wiccanism is a religion created by a white man named mm-hmm. Gerald Gardner. Mm-hmm. Um, he took a lot of things from old paganism and old religions and sort of created his own mm. witchcraft, which mm. is what is modern Wicca, Wicca. basically. Okay. is the teachings of this man this guy? called okay. Gerald Gardner. And um, the stuff that he basically wrote down in several books mm-hmm. um, where he sort of just called together a bunch of different kinds of things that he wanted to make into uh wicca its own yeah yeah so mm-hmm. a, a lot of times um and then um uh, uh the order of the golden dawn what's that guy's name um crowley alistair crowley oh, yeah. um also in the 70s and 80s made um his own sort of like a lot of people consider um the order of the golden dawn to be a, a, a strain of witchcraft it's like i said it's very complicated there's tons of different yes, strains yeah. a lot of them though in their modern incarnations were sort of fronted by white men okay so um i think partially you know it's her commentary a little bit on something that kind of should inherently belong to women mm-hmm. in my opinion um i don't know what other witches would say you know um because I think men can be witches, you know, or whatever. Mm-hmm. But um, I think, you know, there's a strong feminine current regarding when you're talking specifically about witchcraft as, like, the idea of it being a religion. It's kind of a... Ve- I mean, I think it should be, you know, considered a feminine religion in a lot of ways. Not just for women, but a feminine-geared thing, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and men who want to be involved with it, like, trying to be... Trying to get more in touch with their feminine side sometimes. Because it's a mm-hmm. big part of, I think, what it is. And that's just, like I said, my personal well, opinion. Yeah, yeah. But... Um, it kind of being usurped by men sometimes too, you know, like so many, like still living, you know, in a patriarchy, like everything is sort of subject to like the male gaze constantly. So I think, you know, this is just me, this is conjecture on my part. Sure. I don't, haven't read her saying this specifically. Yeah. But I think, no, I like this read on it though. This is But I think that, you know, the gay character is kind of like a commentary on that. Yeah probably experiences that Annabella herself has had in covens mm-hmm. um, with men sort of being in charge of whatever is going on, the proceedings, um, reading stuff about covens in the past. Like I said, the sex initiation thing being something that happened yeah. a lot more in the seventies yeah. could still be happening now. I mean, there's so many different delineations of witchcraft, you know? Um, but that just being something that like, usually if it's a toxic thing, because a man's in charge. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Not always, but a lot of things. Yeah, I think yeah, even yeah. if it's not specifically speaking of witchcraft, to have that guy be a character who is, we've all met that guy who's, oh, it's cool, man, but yeah. he's a creep. Yeah. And, right. uh, yeah. you know, and that is a, a typically male thing to say, oh, look at this. There's some power running around in here. What could I do with it? Yeah, yeah, and yeah. And so whether it's, whether uh, Annabelle is specifically talking about witchcraft or just about mm-hmm. typically the way systems tend to run down like that. Yeah. Um, that comes, that comes through very clear in yeah. the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think right off the bat, I'm mistrustful of that guy. Yeah. Uh, he just has that about him. Yeah. Well, and I think is uh, to go back to your question about where she chooses to join. Yes, yeah, yeah. You know the coven. When I watched it, I mean, if I'm remembering it correctly, because it's been a while, but her whole family dies. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh, there was part of me that wonders if she just was like going along with it because right. she's like, well, I guess this is what I'll do now. Mm-hmm. And you know what Sandy was saying earlier. I mean, maybe she did have this. 
you know, feeling like, oh, this is something I want to check out. Yeah, some like call to darkness. But she something. has really yeah. no idea yeah. what she's getting into. Right. And I think that's going to be part of her path is learning about this new way. Yeah. But she still has no idea what she's getting right. into. But also I feel she had no choice. No, like, yeah. She was kind of left there alone. And it's like, well, this is my option. I'm going to mm-hmm. join these witches. Well, that's one of the <laughs> things I love about the end of that movie, actually, is it's like, if I were that girl, yes. Yeah. Like, as soon as he says, wouldst thou like to live delicious? Like, yes. Right. A million that, what's it like to do percent? literally anything different yeah, anything than what other you're doing than right this. now? Like, can, anything can I do it? You know, yes, yeah, let's in. go. Go for it. Go get more water. Do what you need to do. Uh, yeah, it, like it just like I love that about that movie that it does leave you with this feeling of like, yeah, I fucking would absolutely make the same choice. But what I find interesting then is like talking about what is that choice? Mm. Like, what is she really like going into? And is it actually? I never really better? thought about and, the role of the goat that turns into the guy that right? says that. And it's like on the one hand, it's like he could be just their minion. Yeah. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, he could be. The guy in he could charge, be the figurehead. and and you're right, and she could just be transferring to a new From system, one patriarchal system just to one st- another. Up, you know, one yeah. step up is just as patriarchal, right? Yeah, I I, f- I think that's an interesting that's question interesting. about the end of that movie. Oh, yeah. Absolutely, um, and th- and this movie got me like kind of just thinking about that, and I think it's so interesting that I got to see these two movies like right. so close together, both of them about that's witchcraft in a historical the, context because yeah. that is based off of like old texts that were yes. written by societies that are. Uh, even more patriarchal because yes. they're just, you know, they're they're just old and, um, <laughs> yeah. you know, for that to come through and then resonate. But then also the same thing uh, to, you know, make that a parallel to Anna Biller commenting on old Hollywood. Yeah. Old Hollywood is about as patriarchal as it comes. Yeah. And so to comment on that and then to say, hey, there's so much value to these, but we're going to update it. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's, I would say that that is similar. Yeah. We have the ice cream man really came. Yeah, in I know. Right right in that dramatic they were relentless. Yeah. The other day, I was walking home from work. Then the ice cream man pulled over, and I have an ice cream man, and I just happened to have a five dollar bill in my pocket, and I did it. Got me some soft serve <laughs> sprinkles. <laughs> oh, oh, nice, nice. Maron. Yeah. <laughs> so I love good. a good soft serve. Ooh. <laughs> oh, it was good. I didn't think I was gonna do it. Yeah. But that song. Uh, I think what I'm favorite... saying is I got, I'll be right back. Yeah. <laughs> I think my favorite character in this movie, by the way, is the cop that uh, starts investigating at the end. Like, uh. Uh, just because he serves like he's the piece of this. Oh, movie. you mean uh, the the detective like that she married she like marries in the Renaissance. Oh, okay. Uh, I thought uh, you meant his partner, who's like the only one actually doing his job. Oh, oh yes, <laughs> no, that that guy is great. <laughs> who's like, uh, yeah. I'm trying uh-huh. to do this. He's exactly. Like, he's like. Put it on my desk. Yeah, yeah, it's so good. No, but he even blames it higher up. He's like, ah, you know, the higher ups, yes, they don't, they don't yeah. even want to touch this. Yeah, he like keeps passing it up. You don't want to do that. I really like the the character of the you know the cop that sort of becomes a detective. Mo- specifically, what I like about him though is like to me, he represents like the parts of this movie that are like there are a few things about this movie where you can tell Anna has such a deep love for this era of movies and these particular kinds of oh, movies. Oh, he totally chose that guy because he was like an old Hollywood. He looks totally guy. like that type of guy. But also, he serves, like he you, does... You know, she's not him. She's like, him. Perfect. <laughs> yeah. But he does all of the things that are like the 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 quote-unquote like mistakes in movies yeah, yeah, like yeah. this that get left in the movie yes. where like he punches the other cop yeah. and it's like this really lame, weird punch that doesn't look <laughs> right. And it's edited to look like it has oh, some it has kind a of impact. beautiful Foley sound. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, he like he he to me like everything that he does is like represents those little things that it's clear that Anna also loves about this era of these movies where it's like yeah sometimes they had these weird little gaffes in them that they just like had to cut around or like you know what I mean and I I love that he like 
every little thing he does is this weird little like that really shouldn't be like that, right? Yeah. But like it just gets like left in the movie, you know? And, oh, he's yeah. so good, and he like he gets like everybody in this movie like gets what this movie is, which I love. Like they're all doing these like great performances where it's like they totally get the tone of this. But I feel like between him and and uh, Samantha, the main actress, like they really get it. Like the mm-hmm. two of them nail what this thing like is and is trying to be. And I I don't know. I just think that character is like so funny. I like too that he sort of represents the stable choice, quote unquote. Yes. Like he's yep. the career man, right. and yep. and he's not. No, yeah, he's an idiot. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> he's definitely supposed to be likable. However, yes. yeah, um, oh, absolutely. Well, because he, he like <laughs> not he tr- super smart, but definitely he likeable. treats her fairly well in that opening scene when he pulls her over. Right, like he's not uh, like yeah. Uh, I think she said something about how he's the only one out of all the men in the film who has who's the capability to love her, right. but he's decided not to. Right. Oh, interesting. That for him, yeah. she made it specifically that he is making a conscious decision yeah. that he does not want to love her, but he's capable of doing so if he had wanted to. If he had wanted mm-hmm. to. Oh, that's really interesting. So, yeah. That, and that and is, they're I definitely mean, being in a juxtaposition there where behaves. they are kind of, you know, yeah. they're like sort of equally matched. Yep. And it could work out theoretically yes. if like, you know, uh, Elaine wasn't like murdering people right. yes, or like yeah. he was like, you know, willing to sort of be with somebody. Yeah. Yeah. Because he has the capability of doing that. But yeah, yeah she said something about that. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, I I don't know. I just I like that character so oh, much. So, well, and I love how even by the end he's like short of the murders. He's yeah. the first one that resorts to like machismo violence. Yes, where yeah. he starts punching people. Yeah. But it's it's partially like oh I got a protector, but it's also partially like flex time. You know, yeah, like he's yeah, got to yeah. get he's got to get his out because yes. you know you don't touch my woman like that <laughs> without getting a comeuppance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I think he plays yeah. into that old Hollywood aesthetic. He, he also maybe one of my favorite lines in the movie is when he's reintroduced like in, you know, like the third act. Oh. We haven't really spent time with him. You know, he's yeah. like the cop in the beginning and then all of a sudden we're in this like uh, and he's in a suit and he just has this one sentence explanation of like, "Oh yeah, by the way, I got promoted. Now I run this station." Yeah. Like <laughs> it is so funny to me. <laughs> That also speaks to he's doing the Adrian Grenier where it's like, yeah. no, you're just the dude in the background. Yeah, yeah. Let's do your thing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I just, I wanted to make sure we talked about that character because I just find him so enjoyable. <laughs> what was the character's name? Oh, I don't even remember what that character's name is. He wasn't Richard, is. was he? Was he Richard? No, Richard no, is... Richard's uh, the one she has uh, the affair with. Yes, Richard oh, is yeah, Richard Trish's, is Trish's husband, husband, I think. Yeah. There's a machine for this. I remember his real name. His real name is, is Guyan. Oh. Which sounds like gay in the other yeah. character. Oh yeah. But oh, that's interesting. Yeah. yeah. Um Guyan something. I can't remember his last name, but I also can't remember his name in the context of the film. Oh, oh Guyan awesome. Keys. Guyan Keys. His, Guy, his name Guy oh, his name's Keys, great. Yes. Griff. 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 That's right. Griff. Griff. Of course that's his name. <laughs> she gave him like such a yes, you know, he's throw, a cop whatever in a name. 60s movie. Yeah. yeah. He's Griff. Yeah. That's great. Oh, that's fantastic. Uh oh man. Yeah, I it, it is to me this is like such an impressive movie on like a bunch of levels, oh, you know? Yeah. Like it, it really like definitely uh, a lot of rewatch value yeah. too. Like that's the thing. Saying, I feel like I need every, every time you see something new. Yeah, you having see just seen new. it the first time once, I, I definitely feel like I need to well, see and it. And like you said, I mean, they're probably going to keep doing events. Mm-hmm. It's going to be one of yeah. those. Yeah. I'm, I'm hoping so because yeah. I missed it in the theater I and I was dying to go. And it had a very short run here in Philly. I think it played at the Ritz like two weeks. I literally the one time I remember I was going to go. Something happened and I couldn't. And I was like, I'll go. I'll go next week. And it just wasn't there anymore. And I was devastated because I had been like, I had just heard so much positive buzz. Yeah. When it was playing festivals and stuff, and I was just like, I really, really want to see this, and so I missed it in the theater. So I'm hoping maybe at some point in Philly there'll be some kind of event. Zoom well, they're it showing because yeah. I would, uh, 
And it'll definitely, you know, it has yeah, cult sometimes the rats written all over. It already is a cult film. Like people are dressing up, going to yeah, these cool, screenings. Cool. Like it'll I be, guess it does invite that. Like, yeah. there's a million yeah. cosplay opportunities. Oh, definitely. Oh, yeah. I'm be, crazy about the Victorian tea room. I know yeah. it. Yeah. At Halloween. It's totally, absolutely, 100 percent different from my aesthetic, and yet I am totally. I just love it. Every time I watch this movie, I'm like the Victorian tea room. I love that the woman playing <laughs> harp just starts singing a song yeah. about her. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. she's it's the same. It's sort of the same tune as the song that. They sing at the Renaissance Fair at the end. Oh, I realized, that's true. Even though the lyrics are different. Wow. Apparently, and Anna, Anna wrote the lyrics to the songs. She said it to some kind of old Renaissance like okay. melody or yeah. something, or it just made it sound like one. I'm not really sure, but well, I like yeah, the idea. Those, those Renaissance people, they get it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the performers that get it, they get it. Well, uh, to one of the points you were making earlier, it's like put one of her 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 powers is her appearance, and I love that she walks into this tea room, and even there, she is distinct amongst all of these other women, mm. right? And it's that hat. She hat. has great hats. Yes. She has and great hats. So much so that the woman hat. playing harp just starts singing a song about her. You know, like this woman is like so gravitational. She like pulls things into her that like this woman is just like, oh, I need to sing a song about this woman that's here. I, I, I would too. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I would sing about <laughs> playing Samantha harp Robinson. describing the tea room. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. And I had um get your note. It's definitely the kind of oh. film that you want to take notes on no, sometimes there was two because there's just so much going points. on. So yeah. they did. Uh, first was when they, uh, when her and Griff kiss each other in front of the horse. Yeah, and that horse does not want to be there. <laughs> it has this look of just like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> and I'm always looking at animals in the background of movies because yeah. they they kill me. Yeah. And this horse was great. He didn't do anything big, but yeah. it definitely just had like. If there was anyone on that set that didn't get it, it was that horse. <laughs> well, then you guys should probably exchange scenes because I think you got the animals and film issue. Oh, yeah? And your, okay, your all right. Movie John did an animals oh, and film. I like, yeah. Oh, I like that. That's such a good subject. <laughs> I mean, we'll trade them. Because yeah, <laughs> we'll I want to read yeah, them both. We want, I, yeah, exactly. Yeah, they'll That's get traded. And then there was a great cutaway. Uh, it's, such a, it's such a dumb gag that I see in comedies, but I'm, I'm over the moon for it. And they did it great here. When Trish walks in on her dead husband mm-hmm. and she sees the blood and she's like, ah. And it does this awesome, like, super fast zoom to her mouth screaming. Yes. And then it does a hard cut to a cake in the tea room. Oh, or yeah. maybe in the tea room. Oh, and the cake and they is like pour, a red velvet or whatever. Well, she oh, pours the like the liquid. I don't know like what cherry sauce or something. It's like yeah. cherry sauce. Yeah. Syrup, but yes. it's so thick. It's so like Suspiria bloody. Yes. And it just lays on so thick for so long yeah. that it takes this delicious looking cake and you're ill to it by the end. Yeah. It, it was brilliant. And that made like, me laugh I, very hard. I feel like I like that too because it's, a, it's the second time we're in the Victoria team room, right? So it's gone from this like thing where like it's very you know positive and Everyone's like, wow, this is so magical. To the end, we're like, oh, yeah. <laughs> where gross. Elaine's like really going off the deep end. Oh, and it's yeah. sort of just being super sociopathic in this interaction yes. with Trish, who's just so heartbroken to destroy her husband, just murdered himself. I know. And she's just and like, she's, Elaine's the one not, like, responsible not for it. Yeah. Like, it's just, she's I like, I'm scene. in love. Yeah. And like, she's just like so, like, I know. She's really. Um, well, and I love that it's an inverse of her, that. Elaine's low point. Yeah, and it's an inverse scene. of the first scene exactly. in the tea room. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But like where Trish was like so willing to have that conversation with her and listen to her and still speak her mind about like what she thought about the things she was saying, but like engage with her. And Elaine and is not Elaine that is at all. Like Elaine has be that no interest in it. Uh, it's so funny. I also wrote down a line. Uh, I think it was Richard that was flying a plane. 
And I thought he had a very funny line. He was like, I love flying. Oh, yeah. You're up above everything in control. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he gets like real sick over <laughs> oh, yeah, and the, above and the picture and that, in control. And the picture that he gives her, like that's sitting on her little mantelpiece with all her creepy little yeah. like oh, yeah, yeah. and stuff, is like him as a pilot. Yes, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. That was like, a weird moment. He's like, here's a picture of me as yeah. a pilot. Yeah. <laughs> when Trish sees all those pictures, yeah. that was one of those moments that was very sad and very funny. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. The reaction was sad when she starts putting on the makeup and yeah. puts on the hairpiece. But when she first sees that, it's such a, it is is a really ridiculous collection of photos of these yeah. guys just like cheesing it up. Yeah. That moment was great. Yeah. It's I do yeah, her her little like shrine to the men that she has yeah. taken the lives of. You cannot laugh at that picture of him and his pilot. Yeah. <laughs> this guy has like such a goofy smile yeah. and well, like weird. And all of or those the scene where, like she's stripping for him and he's like who are you? What are you doing? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All of those dudes are so doofy. Oh, that's so like, yeah. yeah well, it speaks partially to her spell, but I think yes. it also, as we said, is a commentary on yeah. like, they're just the set dressing. Yep. This is the female gaze. This is how yeah. we're going to put them right there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it is like, they they are cast under that spell, yeah. and there's been times like where you get an infatuation over a woman, and then you're you're an idiot. Yeah, uh, you you become dumb over it. Well, like I love the professor guy in the beginning when he's like, "Yeah, I got a cabin out in the woods. Yeah. I, I like to sometimes invite women." Up. He's like clearly hitting on her, yeah. and then the moment she goes like, "Yeah, let's go there right now," he's like, "What? What? Yeah. This worked?" <laughs> like. <laughs> I and love he that guy. He left the other lady to do it. Yeah, I know. The lady he just had lunch with. He was just yeah. like, hang. He didn't even say hang on. Yeah, he just the only woman who up. cares when he like goes I, missing. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's so sad. I know. She's the only person he gives a fuck yeah. about. It. And it's just like one of his students, basically. You know, yeah. it's like, yeah. Oh man, yeah. This I I, mean, I got the impression she was like staff. Oh maybe. Yeah. I don't know. I don't remember. But yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, I just I, I really like this movie, and it like grew a lot for me on the second viewing because I remember oh. when I saw it in theaters, like I I liked it, and I thought it was like I I you know it was like funny to me, and and I, I you know I, I feel like I like kind of got what it was putting down, but probably right. not like fully, you know. Mm-hmm. But it it felt long to me the first time I saw it. Um, uh, the the Renaissance Fair sequence especially felt like it just like really like lasted a long time. I like got the purpose of it, but it just like lasted a very long time. Uh, and so I was like, yeah, this is good, but like it, as far as like doing this kind of movie where it like looks and feels like almost like a B movie from like the sixties. Those movies are 70 minutes long. Like the one way this movie like gets it wrong is by being a two hour movie. But then watching it again, I I, like that problem was almost erased. Like it's, there was still a moment where I was like, okay, we're, this is feels like it's dragging. And I was going to say, maybe it's too like, you knew now like, Oh, this is what I'm in for versus like to your point when you, first see it you're like oh okay this is that, that ex- type of movie yeah yeah i have that exactly. experience with films a lot i feel yeah. like the first time where i'm like i'm like how much longer is this gonna be yep. yeah, you yeah, know yeah. we've talked about that before <clears throat> it's like does a movie really need to be three hours right yeah, oh yeah. yeah no i don't i don't love those uh, i'm a big 90 minutes films. is the perfect uh, agreed, agreed. oh yeah movie. i love yeah. you know i love a good like yeah. 90 minute yeah. horror yeah. film yeah. Or yes. like, yeah. but i did not feel that as much on the second viewing i was i was a way more engaged with it and b i think because like you're saying it's like once you have that first experience and you, you know knew. what you're in for it's uh i, I didn't quite ha- it still felt a little long to me but it, it would like just worked way better for me on the second viewing yeah. and, and, I, and you notice all the details and everything yeah. i think especially the second time where you're just like wow there is a lot going on totally well, the scenes and, here. and then you're just sort of enraptured by that so there's a draw absolutely you know, and honestly as a man two years later now i'm post the me too movement like this movie i feel like now i was oh, able to different i absolutely. was able to engage with those ideas more this time around uh, you know, I, I feel like 2016 was where I was in, you know, the throes of that growth process that like has only continued to go on for me, you know, mm-hmm. as like a, a 
somebody trying to be a better man in the world, you know? And, mm. and so like this, we're mo- all, we're all in the process of constant learning. Yeah. Right? You know, yeah, it's exactly. Like, and the and same I, with the movie and any other movie, you know, black Panther or whatever is a film that I feel like I'm going to get more out of the second time yes. I watch it. Cause I've only seen it once yep. so far. And it's just, you know, like we all need to, to be open to that idea of having been wrong about something mm-hmm. or having just perceived it in a way that maybe wasn't exactly, yeah. you know, what the, the filmmaker intended yeah. or, or seeing details in the film that you didn't notice the first time around where you're like, Oh, this is like, you know, this is a conscious choice or whatever it is, mm-hmm. you know, just constantly sort of being open to the idea of um, seeing things with new eyes, yeah. especially when it comes to, it's a visual medium, yeah. you know, it's like, you're going to want to per- try to perceive things, you know, yeah. in a different way when you watch them again and you've had other experiences where you were like you know the me too movement yeah, like affecting right. you personally and yep. changing your perspective on something yep. and making you a better film watcher right, you know yes, yeah. as strange as that may sound no, it's it true. really does because that's what art is about right yep. is like you know finding connection with like other people and like yep. being able to perceive the world mm-hmm. and like there's so many things that film is about <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> Well, and I think maybe is this a good time? Should we go through our top five? I would love to. Yo, okay, you just made the that. greatest transit. You transitioned for us. We perfect. never would have. We would have talked for two Rosalie's more hours. Rosalie's a natural I podcast. Am. Yeah. <laughs> I, she Can I be awful and pump the brakes on the transition? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I will say that when I watched Viva, it made me, I don't want to say dread the Love Witch in a way. Yeah. Because cause Viva felt very long to me. Yeah. And I only got to see it once because movie only keeps movies for 30 days yep. and I slept on it. Yeah. What are you going to do? Yeah. And so having only seen Love Witch once, I was impressed at how much longer that style didn't wear out its welcome on me. Yeah. Uh, how much longer I was able to engage with it. Um, I, of course, I'm going to have to see it again to decide whether I think it's too long or not. But yeah. it definitely fared better. So it showed growth as a filmmaker. Oh, yeah. That's yeah, true. I think Viva yeah. feels like an earlier film It feels her, like an earlier. It's know? a little so bit when scrappier. You watch, the two, you watch The Love Witch and you're like, this is like the polished version of a lot of what I she agree. was. Beginning to attempt to do with Viva. And also choosing not to be in it. And I know something. Yeah, that's true. Oh, she's in Viva? She's the star. She's the star. She's very funny. And and I know that um, it actually was my husband that mentioned it to me that he read an interview with her where I guess she was in Viva because she just like couldn't find somebody to like be that character. Mm -hmm. So she was like. The the way that she probably wanted, you know, very specific. So then she was like, I'll just be in it. You know, yeah. Samantha and um, the other guy just being really, really understanding what she mm-hmm. wanted to do with yeah, that, you know, get it. and that being something that probably a lot of actors would not actually know how to do right. and wouldn't understand, you know, exactly. so it's probably, that's probably the big reason, honestly, why she cast herself in Viva, because mm-hmm. she's like, I don't feel like anybody else can do this the way that I want it them to. It makes sense It's a very specific thing. Yeah. yeah. She's the most memorable, memorable part of Viva. Yeah. Also the food. I love as gross as they are, I love those old recipe cards. Oh, so no, when they show that. food, it's fascinating. <laughs> the 70s, it's so fascinating. There's a, there's a Twitter called 70s Dinner Party oh, yeah. yep. <laughs> that I am I obsessed with. I love it. Yeah. It's, yeah. Just, it's just repugnant. Everything's bananas and ham. <laughs> it's so weird. Oh, and and it's all the gelatin. Okay, oh. Everything was jelly. It's so gross. <laughs> But her, her like food spreads in Viva. I was like, oh, they're oh incredible. 70s dinner party. I was like, I want to look at it and I don't want to bite any of it. Yeah, that's That's not even edible, is it? Oh, look at all these olives. Is actually a theme that I've been trying to sell Fran on, our founder. Yeah, yeah. He's like not buying it. Where he's like, like you? Yeah, he's like, I don't know what you'd write about. I'm well, like, you're like well, yeah, we did a short episode. Oh, they're, they're like, Food and yeah. oh, yeah, the scene in Hook. Well, we did a short episode once for a food podcast to talk about food and movies, oh, and we landed on Temple of Doom. 
because they have to eat oh, the yeah. chilled monkey Pro- brains problematic. and the babies and stuff. Oh, it, yeah. Out of the food scene, it's probably the one of the more problematic. But, uh, my, well, my but favorite Indiana Jones, but awful but portrayal of India. You know, it's like, oh, yeah. it's, we grow beyond <laughs> uh, it. So yeah, Temple of Doom is one of those movies where I'm like, this is not age 12. I still love this movie, though. Temple of Doom is just the one I had on tape. Yeah. But also, Temple of Doom does something that Love Witch did in comparison to Viva. Temple in comparison to Raiders is that they introduced horror. And I think if you put a little yeah. bit of horror on I anything, I'm going to like it, it so a little better. And so for me, for The Love Witch, I'm going to have to watch it a few times to get it more thematically, especially mm-hmm. after talking to two women about it. I'm going to have to watch it again and kind of you know parse that out. But as a horror movie, that's where it really, really worked well for me because it and, and actually having just seen Suspiria for yeah. the first time ever in my life, that was a... Did you, you go know, to that showing the other yeah, day yeah, yeah. That, i know rosalie went to that oh it was, that was the first time you ever saw that was it the first time I saw it. oh it was a wonderful experience but i love like giallo films i love 70s grimy especially on 35 millimeter yeah. horror so on all of that it was just like eating a bowl we of candy we should talk yeah. about that so sometime good. i'm a big baba fan personally so mm, uh, i love uh, what's <laughs> it black which sabbath which is why i actually Lovely. watched a few because of you because, because I'm like, because <laughs> you wrote about it. So I was like, oh, I We're should like, check Black this out. Sunday. <laughs> Black Sunday. I took it out from the library. Nice. Yeah. Wait, is that yeah. the anthology? Is Black like, Sabbath yeah. the anthology or Black oh, Sunday? Yeah. Rosalie, we have to talk about this later. Which but one's Black Sunday? I, I confuse Black Sunday and Black Sabbath. Mm-hmm. Barbara Steele is in Black Sunday, also sometimes called The Mask of Satan. Okay, that's not um, the one I know. I have not seen I love that Black one. Sabbath. The word of Lack sequence with Boris uh, Karloff is absolutely amazing. The grandma, terrifying. Uh, yeah, that's a great. So I good. love Black Sabbath too, but um, nice. I would say Black Sunday is my favorite. Black so Sunday. you should definitely watch that one. It's, um, I'm into it. Oh, so many, so many uh, filmmakers who make gothic films now have mentioned that being a big influence on them. Mm. Tim Burton, for instance, I know, oh. um, loves that movie, and it was a big influence on Sleepy Hollow in particular. Mm. Um, a few other films were influences on that, like uh, Roger Corman's Pit and the Pendulum Ooh, and stuff nice. like that. Yep. Because there's an Iron Maiden in mm. uh, Sleepy Hollow <laughs> and mirroring the Iron Maiden and Pit and the Pendulum, but um. Yeah, I mean, it was a just giant film uh, as far as gothic film goes, and um. I mean, it also has Barbara Steele, who I don't know, is probably the the greatest gothic actress ever. Oh, uh, right <laughs> my, on. This is this is my sphere. I'm like starting to talk <laughs> about like nerdy shit that I like that no one else. I was like, who? Like what? And I'm just like, oh, you gotta watch it. Well, maybe you can introduce us to uh, Black Sunday I would and Baba be happy for the show sometime. That. That oh, absolutely, love, that would be cool. Love, love <laughs> to do that. I have not gotten to really talk about Baba in a sphere like that yet. I would so, love to do I'm that. That's because I don't. I may have seen one Baba movie. I might have seen one at that I'm Italian say, Black Masters. Sunday I, I is going to be the one that I'm going to say. Please you know. watch that yeah. one first, okay. because it's my favorite. Yeah, so. I feel like I saw like some sort of. Oh, I don't. I don't even. That's remember the what problem with the exhumed things is you see them, yeah. and then after you see ten of them, you're like, ah, yeah, yeah I probably. Did seen he make it. Baron Blood? <laughs> yeah, is all that the what Hammer films. I'm like, yeah. I've seen it probably. Yeah, it's it's been around. I think he did make Baron Blood. Yes, I, I haven't. That's, I, that's one of the ones I haven't actually. I think I saw that at an exhumed show, and I think that might be the only Bob I've seen. Yeah. Yeah, and it was oh, okay. Well, he also uh, my favorite Argento is uh, Inferno, and uh, Baba helped him a that, lot yeah. with that film, and it, it kind of feels like a Baba film to me, which is probably why it's my favorite. Oh, Argento. Yeah, 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 yeah. That, wait, that's um, the sequel to Suspiria, right? Yeah. Uh, oh no, no, it's not a sequel. Which, what's the it's, sequel it's its own called? Thing. Uh, I, I think I. It I, has a similar name. I, it, no, I want to just conjure Tenebrae? demonic interview. Is it a Tenebrae movie or no, no? What I want to tell you is that I don't know. In, in, no, Inferno is its own. Right, but I, I think right in like on, film Twitter it. circles, people will go like, "Oh, Inferno is like the unofficial sequel no, to Suspiria." There is a sequel. To is Suspiria? there? Yeah. Now I've got to look it up. Um, I learned this is the Suspiria. I guess screen. you. I, maybe they might be saying that it is 
It would be a prequel, I guess. Something. I don't know. I, f- I feel like I hear those movies come up in conversation together. So I guess maybe in that way. I don't really see the connection, but maybe yeah. somebody read into it, that you know like really it's hard. One of those where it's like the unofficial trilogy. That's where I, we're can, like, yeah. I can see oh, that. You know, yeah. That's not like a natural. I think that's what it's sold It's like the unofficial trilogy. Trilo- th- trilogy. Th- yeah. Well, it's like like you know like the, the vengeance is, trilogy. Is like yeah. old boy's not a sequel to it's Sympathy for Mister right. Vengeance, but they're part of that conceptual trilogy. Cornetto so thing. Yeah, exactly. Of, they're yeah. not sequels, but they're of yeah. that conceptual that sense, brand. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah I, I could say it could be like a like a Cornetto trilogy kind of sequel. Yeah. They're not like directly related. Right. But okay. They definitely. They both deal with witches. Okay. Okay. Kind of, you know. So yeah. it's like. And yeah. Simon Pegg is awesome in it. Yeah. He's insane. Uh, all right, so we're going to talk about our, our uh, favorite movies directed by women uh, in you know honor what's funny? of I Anna Biller. I was surprised at how many movies I love that are yeah. directed by women, and I don't know if it's like a good sign or a bad sign that I couldn't conjure them easily. Yeah, I know. Um, it was because I started just listing movies that I liked and then filtering out which ones were directed by women, which was surprising to me, but also at the same time, it just showed what little consideration I gave to that concept. Yes. And so then the question I'm asking, is that a good thing that I just thought of them in terms of movies or is that a bad thing that I'm not illuminating something? You know what right. I'm saying? So I don't have the answer. I, I had similar thoughts. I also like the funny thing. I mean, I have a bunch of movies written down here, but I, I'm going to pick. Yeah, like, I, I have think, to like, cut down five. Yeah, five of my favorites. But like it, like the, I, and I don't know how to feel about this. I'm sure this like says something somewhere, but like these are the kinds of movies I would like, you know, like, mm-hmm. the, it, like, the, I don't know. It, like, I feel like this list is uh, it. The, there are five films directed by women, but they're also like I um, movies that you would gravitate towards. I would gravitate towards anyway. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah sure. That's how uh, most of mine are. Sure, that's how I'm narrowing you know, this down. There's like certain you, you like certain kinds of films right, more yeah. than others. I think yeah. that's normal. Yeah. Mm. We'll do honorable mentions. Yes. Yeah. I have a feeling that we're going to have a very I, I recent think, film on oh, our... Oh, yes. I think so. I have a very recent film on mine. Yeah. So oh, right on. I think that's fine. I do too. I think right now women are getting more opportunities Absolutely. than ever to direct films. So I think it's normal to be like, I yep. saw this, a woman made it, and I loved yeah. it. I mean, quite a few of mine are actually fairly recent, um, but I'm going to touch on a couple. They're a little older, but... You um, know, th- that speaks to what you were saying earlier, Rosalie. Exhibition's good. Whether yeah. it's on Netflix or any... Like, there's just more opportunity... Yep. Nothing pisses yeah. me off more than when people go, there's no good movies anymore. No, there's more movies than you could ever even yeah. fathom there's watching in your lifetime available yeah. at this you exact access- moment. There's so many. Oh, okay. there's so many. Ever- you have access to every movie ever made practically in this yeah. day and age. It's exactly. just those. Yeah, if you're going to go see Pacific Rim 2, yes, there's nothing new, but there's there's a million other <laughs> yeah. movies that you can see yep. like literally on your phone you are right now. You, yeah. That you are, yeah, exactly. And also, you're probably already paying to be able to watch them right now. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, and yeah. there's such I, a diverse, broad scope you, because yeah. there's less Do you have Netflix or you have entry. access to like yeah. a thousand films? Yeah. So find something to watch. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, anybody in particular want to start? I'll kick it off. Do this it. is actually a movie okay. that I saw recently. Uh, anyone who knows my girlfriend, Jenna, knows that that one of our greatest bonding moments is watching RuPaul's Drag Race. <laughs> and uh, that, yeah. that show is awesome. And so she was like, well, to get all of these jokes, you're going to need to see Paris is Burning. I said, okay, I'll check out Paris is Burning. And Paris is Burning is directed by Jenny Livingston. And it is just a look into the very early ages of New York drag. But not dragon as we think of it as men dressing up as characters of women. That is there. But uh, gay men dressing up as businessmen, mm. uh, gay men dressing up as it, what it what it really plays out to is just uh, gay men, usually of color, dressing up in positions of power, mm-hmm. whatever that represents. Mm-hmm. And so it's this great movie that is about 
the celebration of the spirit, it is tragic because it is 1980s New yeah. York yeah. in what is still a you know deep subculture. Um, but it's also very joyous. It's you see the love that that is created in these spaces where they do their thing. And uh, it's it's an infectious watch, and it's one that you could like revisit every year and find something new about it. And it, it's just such a delight. And it's a documentary made by a woman. I've never seen that. I would love to see that. It's uh, and it's been on Netflix I've since the dawn of Netflix. <laughs> yeah. It is still it, there. It and is it's phenomenal. Okay, great, oh, it's I so good. That sounds great. It, oh, you'll sounds, love it. Or you I can watch it, it like already. I, I love it. I haven't seen it. Already. <laughs> I love it. Just when you talk about it. And I got really it from the library. Watching, oh, perfect. <laughs> and it, I, I love documentaries. I love you championing libraries. I still use the library. It's good. And it's it is tragic. It is sad. But like then watching Rue, there's all these things that I'm seeing where I'm like, I call it watching Rue. When I'm watching Rue. Yeah. I'm doing the thing my dad, it's your dad. does, yeah. where he calls everybody yeah. loves Raymond Frank. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm watching Rue. I'm watching Rue. Yeah. Well, because that's how we say it in our household: is Rue's on. You want to watch Rue? Yeah. <laughs> Rue read the questions on Jeopardy the other night. Oh, I heard about that. <laughs> it's insane. But um, okay. So watching it after yeah. having seen Paris is Burning, you see all of these cultural touchstones that are touched upon casually in a world that I am an outsider to. Yeah. That I now get because of this movie. So it's it's. A very special movie in that That's way. That's cool. It's cool. Paris is Burning is legit. And if you like a good doc, it's a well-made oh, yeah. doc. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't editorialize so much as it captures, which is rare. Oh, yeah. It's very that's cool. cool. Yeah. That's um, that's my my criteria as a fan mm. of documentaries. I'm always like, I need to be, I need you to just observe. Like, because yeah. um, I feel like people like confuse, you know, fictional narrative with um, like documentary narrative. And I think they're very different. And mm. like, you should judge them differently. We see nonfiction so. films as documentary mm-hmm. when that's not always the case. There's mm-hmm. so much editorial film going, which there's yeah. a place for, which mm-hmm. I love. But yeah, it's almost like two, they're two different, they're all, they're all subgenres. Mm-hmm. You know, like there's like different kinds of documentaries. Like, yes. are, are you just like, you know, are you coming from like a, a personal standpoint where you're like you mm-hmm. have an opinion about what you're perceiving right. or is are you just a, a witness to what's going on, you know? Yeah. And um which is sort of the original intention of I the I prefer term the ones that are not passing judgment, yeah. you know, Absolutely. like I'm like yeah. I would rather you just were there because yeah. it's like, such a fine line when you introduce a camera, you inherently uh introduce artifice. Yeah. And so the editing the, too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so the but as even close so to like, real life as you can get with a documentary is my Exactly. Favorite. That's what you want. Actually the best documentaries to me are those planet Earth things just because yeah. since yeah. they're shooting from a satellite in space, it's the only thing I can think of that's actually pure. Yeah. yeah. Even an annual Almost animal like you documentary need a machine with the to camera. be impartial. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, and the the animals might see the camera and might behave differently. Yeah. The same thing happens when yeah, you introduce a camera into any situation. Yep. People behave differently. So films that can capture the reality of it and do their best to remove the camera are the and Paris is Burning fits that to a T. Awesome, cool. very good stuff. I, Jenny Livingston. Well, let's go around this way, Sandy. Why don't you go next? Are we doing like our number one or like any of? We kind of just throw them out. Them. I don't really right, so. save the big like the big. We drop yeah. the big bomb at the end. Yeah. But oh, the big bomb at the end. Yeah, like okay, the one that's so like I will special. start. Yeah, the one you really want to like. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, I know I've talked uh, a little bit over the past hour or so about um, I, I'm a horror fan. One of my favorites is um, Honeymoon by Lee Janiak. I've never seen that. Uh, it's relatively new. I think it came out in like 2010, maybe. Um, okay. Oh wait, that has. I believe it is still on Thrones, Netflix right? as Rose Leslie. Yes. Yes. Rose and Harry Treadaway, who was phenomenal Frankenstein and Penny Dreadful. If any of oh, you're familiar with I've that at all, that. my probably my favorite contemporary show ever. 
but because um, <laughs> it's super gothic and it's made for me. Um, <laughs> but no, it's great. Uh, directed by a woman. It's still on Netflix, I believe. If okay. you guys would like to check it out, it's been Who there for a while. Uh, her name is Lee Janiak. Um, and she, I think, believe I believe this is her first feature film. I think okay. she's done some other short films before. Um, she was in line to do a reboot for The Craft after oh. this. Um, I'm not sure what's going on with that at this point because it's been a few years since mm-hmm. that was sort of uh, a rumor that was circulating. That. Um, mm-hmm. I think she's still working on it so um i'm glad that she got like a you know kind of a quote unquote big horror project after she did this film um but i've written about it on movie john um it was actually i think one of my first reviews that went up Um, (laughs) a very interesting from the library sort of (laughs) i'm I'm not sure it's a sparse film and then it just doesn't give us a lot of detail sometimes but i think it works to its benefit because it's kind of about you know like the theme in it is kind of um your relationship with your romantic partner um, and the ways in which maybe um, you think you know someone and you, maybe you don't know them as well as you think you mm-hmm. do. And you sort of suspend the, you know, this feeling of like not knowing someone, trying to sort of, you know, hope that you know them or hope that you understand them. Um, and maybe if something bad happens to them, knowing what to do, you know, mm-hmm. knowing what your role would be or how to like help them. And sometimes that just not, being the case Mm -hmm. um and uh sometimes when something bad happens um it sort of revealing all the ways in which it's impossible to know someone Mm -hmm. else um and it's there's definitely some gender politics in it you know it's a you know a man and a woman so they're like they're just been married recently Mm -hmm. um and so uh, the undertone is kind of that they don't know each other that well because when you first get married like sometimes you just you know you think you know somebody or you think that you know you that love can sort of solve any problem right um because if you love somebody enough then that's then that'll be and this is this is a horror film you know so it's like <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. there's no happy so ending in this film work out but so i nice. love horror <laughs> films directed by women because they always bring such a very specific lens to a situation and a different and a perspective that like you just don't you know it's, it's so much horror is like sort of like the voyeurism of like seeing a woman in a violent situation or whatever you know be it like her the violence being perpetrated upon her or her witnessing the mm-hmm. violence in the context of the film the final girl concept etc yeah. etc but like every time a woman directs a horror film i feel like she brings something that like maybe you just haven't considered and, or you just haven't been able to see it on film in that specific way um, and this is one of those films for me. Like only a woman could have made a film that has a relatively simple concept, so um, deep and, and nuanced in a way that kind of it, it creeps up on you a little bit. You know, where you're sort of just expecting it to be this straightforward thing, and then you see there's all this, there's these undercurrents of, of emotions between the two people in it, and they just do. Both of them give phenomenal performances in this movie, and it's just a horror film directed by a woman that I, imagine, I really like, loved. The movie I'm thinking of, of like honeymooning couple trapped in a small space is probably very different based on what I'm stereotyping in my head yeah. by a male-dominated genre that it would be different they, than they what are that isolated delivers. In you know? because they kind I'm of picturing go, this wild movie. They go off on their honeymoon into like a cabin in the secluded woods. Mm. So that's just like a you know, very <laughs> conventional setup. So when I think of setup, a cabin right? in the woods, I'm thinking of something probably very different from what that oh, is. Oh, yeah. This is, this is like it's, its because own of the woman special director. thing. And it's yeah. like stuck to me like glue ever oh, since cool. I watched this, you know, and it was just like this sort of like rattled me and like i was just like this movie is special you know oh, like cool. so and it is it's like a hidden gem yeah, in my opinion i believe it is still on Netflix, i will check yes. it out yeah that's i good. think it's been on my list mostly because i was like oh these two people are gonna like hack each other up and uh, i'm in <laughs> it's a lot <laughs> weirder so than, that, than that you know but that. um okay, but cool. yeah it's a favorite cool right on rosalie oh, so that gives me a reason to 
actually watch, watch that, that movie. movie. It's yeah. been on my queue. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad to hear that. You should feeling, definitely yeah. watch it. You're reducing Dan's queue. <laughs> what a, there's, right. Is there a better well, feeling? Well, I have seen reducing Paris is Burning, so I'm glad we could Boom. do a little Put it on your queue and then knock it off. Yeah. Yeah. I have a queue. <laughs> well, one of my choices is probably one that guessing everybody's probably seen, but I just, I love American Psycho. Ah, that's one and, of my honorable um, mentions. Yes. Mary Heron, well, I just, I, I love all the films she's made. She hasn't made that many feature films, right. unfortunately. I wish she would have made more. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I like about American Psycho is that the first time I watched it, I, I, I didn't even like look who the director was. Mm-hmm. And after I finished watching it, I was like, fuck yeah, it's a lady. Mm-hmm. Um, Especially because that book is like this coked out novel by a dude about literally about toxic masculinity at like the most highest and most powerful, you know, 80s excess. Yeah. And yeah, that's that's a really cool thing to do with that. But it's it's just another film similar to like what we were talking about earlier with Anna, with Anna's um, Love Witch. Just a lot of the shots are so deliberate. The things that she's showing us and just. The set design, the costumes, it, it just tells so much about the characters. And I really like that film. I really like that movie. Uh, and it it does hold up. It feels like one of those movies that like you see in college and you're like, yeah, this is cool. And then exactly. like when you watch it 10 years later, you're like, oh, yeah, what was I thinking? <laughs> yeah. And it's not it, like it, that movie does like hold up on repeat viewings. And it, it like having read the book and uh, again, one of these movies where it's like as you get older and you have more experience and stuff. Seeing that movie a few times and having read the book, I I've grown to really appreciate the pretty specific like female lens that she comes through that movie with because I think that that really does like it makes that story into the book is very unfocused. Mm. The book you would have like I would have had to have struggled. Isn't it POV? Patrick yeah. is the POV yes. in the book. There's yeah. like so, literally a five page unbroken sentence that's a chase scene. Yeah, and it's great in function because you read it breathlessly yeah. and then you realize oh this chase scene's over. But like that's not a far cry from how the rest of the book is written yeah. as well. Like it's it's kind of gunning and forward, it's crazy intense, and because you're in his head, it's, it's like, pretty fantastic. It's, yeah, it's oh, I do book. like yeah. it. But the thing is, like, I wouldn't have told you after reading that book, like, oh, it's about eighties excess, and it's about like uh, uh, toxic masculinity. Like, I, I in in reading it, the way it reads and the way it plays, it is like strictly like terrifying. It's like right. this, you know. But I think that she brings she brings this focus to that. That makes all of those sort of thematic issues that are running underneath it so clear to me. Like I didn't understand those things about it until I saw her movie. You know what I mean? And I think that's like a pretty uh, incredible thing. Andy Warhol. Actually, that actually might be fun to watch back to back with American Psycho. I think I have seen that. Yeah, Yeah. I think I saw that in college. But yeah, I just I really appreciate like what she brought to that story because it just it doesn't read that way in the book really. But she like focuses it in this way that's like so interesting. Uh, so I think for my first one, since we've been talking about uh, horror movies directed by women, I'm, this is a fairly recent one, but I love The Babadook. That's on my honorable mentions, too. Uh, I love The Babadook by Jennifer Kent. Uh, I, I think it's like a really great flick. I, I, I really like the, um, uh, the thematic work that's happening there. Uh, you know, it, it, I love the ending and, and what it says about grief and, and the way we, we, you know, you can't escape it. You have to actually feed it a it's little bit. It's similar to you, Love Witch in that it could be argued that nothing explicitly supernatural right. happens at all. Yeah. 
Absolutely. That yeah, that we're watching some sort of representation of of what she's dealing with. Um, mm. uh, I also like that movie confronting know. the burden of uh, motherhood, yes. which mm-hmm. a lot of films do not touch oh, yeah. at all. Yeah, it's like always perceived as like a romantic oh. thing. That's like great. I mean, Rosemary's Baby is obviously kind uh, yeah. of like a great one too. But um, no, like that scene, the baby you don't really get to interact with in Rosemary's right. Baby. So um, no, that scene like where be, like being a kid. Yeah. yeah, I feel like Rosemary's Baby is almost less about being a mother, more about being this woman trapped in this system that's trying to yeah. you know. Put a devil in her, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Where, yeah. you know. Whereas, but but about the you know the horror this of, the, of the female body and like uh, yeah. the horror of like having a body in in a, a patriarchy as a woman, which is just sort of like constantly used against you in every single way. Yeah. So, but I but I you know that's that's such a, that's a concept that I feel like only a woman could really tackle in a, a yes. way that was resonant was you know being like hey sometimes it's terrible you know like yeah <laughs> um, especially if like your husband dies and leaves you with your yes. kid and like you're expected to just be able to know how to raise them. How to, Yep. And you don't have a partner anymore yep. and like you're just on your own and like yep. you're all everything about you that made you a woman before your kid is taken away from you. And so. all of those things are affecting the kid. And so like that's and so you feel uh, empathy for the kid, too. But at yes. the same time, you're just like, ah, yes. Yeah. And it, it's like this. It's like this cycle that's feeding itself. You know, it, it's really interesting. The other thing I love about that movie, though, is the architecture and the way she shoots architecture in it. Mm. Um, I, I really like Kubrick. And one of my favorite things about Kubrick is the way he, he chooses these very specific architectural spaces and then he uses the camera to emphasize that architecture in really interesting ways he's able to create this like sense of tension just through the way places look Mm -hmm. she like really nails that in this movie that like i can literally picture the staircase in their house and you know it's similarly to something like say the shining if i tried to draw her house i could probably draw it on a room by room basis but it's captured in a way that's disorienting where i couldn't assemble it yep Mm -hmm. yeah it's uh, I really really like that movie. I, I think it's a really striking movie and it's good. Have you seen? Uh, we need to talk about Kevin. Not yet. Am I jumping on anyone's? Because that's Lynn Ramsey. That was one of mine too. Okay, and that's but, yeah. that's similar to what you were saying about this whole idea. Like, yeah. nobody is giving her an inch because, shut up, mom. You know, yeah, and yeah. it's and she's having this horrifying moment as a mother. So that movie, I guess I'll just please talk yeah. about oh, it's it. On yeah, there. Oh, yeah, go yeah, for it's it. on my yeah. list because. So I've only seen it once. I honestly don't know if I'll ever watch it again. <laughs> and it's not because I didn't like it. I just didn't like the way it made me. Yeah, I thought about it for like weeks yeah. after watching it. Yeah. And it just, it disturbed me um, so much. But I think, you know, that's like the power of the way that she made the film. Um, yeah, and Lynn Ramsey, I mean, she's somebody like, I don't understand how she's not like a household name. Mm. I think like, she's about to be. Yeah. She's I just gonna saw, come up. She's going to come up again. I just saw my first Lynn Ramsey movie and I'm going to talk about it. Cool. So, okay. yeah. Well, that'll, well, that'll even us because it's going to knock I, one off my list. I too. definitely recommend checking out her other movies. I mean, she's an amazing director. Yeah. And yeah, I hope that, you know, now I, what's the new one called? I'm sorry. Cause I haven't, I haven't seen the new one really here. Yeah. But I know it's getting phenomenal. It's it's getting great buzz. And hopefully that leads to more opportunities for her. I I hope that it does. And it, it, so I have known about the movie. We should talk about Kevin or is that what it's called? We we need to talk about Kevin. We need to talk about Kevin. I've known about that for years and it's one of those movies that is always described to me as like, well, I would never watch again. It is so horrifying. It's like, you just can't, it's terrible to sit through. And that's the kind of, I love horror movies, but anytime someone describes a movie as like, it's literally painful to sit through. I'm like, well, why would I watch that? 
So I've just like ne- not really been interested. See how painful it can be. Well, now that I've seen You Were Never Really Here, I am like distinctly interested in seeing yeah, that movie. Definitely. Check well, the number four on my list is You Were Never Really Here, yeah, we directed by Lynn Ramsey. Yeah. Um, uh, it's on my list as well. This movie I've, fucking blew yeah. me away. And we'll keep it this. We'll phenomenal. keep this conversation spoiler free for yes, those please. Oh, yeah. Please, yeah, we, it's we one haven't of those had where a chance It's yet. a good mix of of a great tale being told in a new way. Yeah. It's a mix of unreliable narrator. Uh, it's a it's a mix of uh, like it has a taken element, yep. except all of that is off screen. Yeah, uh, all of the violence is off screen, and it's this. I wish I could go back in time to when we were talking about I it know. after work the we, other day. We had like a two-hour conversation about this crazy meditation on the cycle of trauma, yeah. on the cycle of responsibility, um, and and just how somebody who feels broken can define themselves in the worst ways. It's it's absolutely phenomenal, yeah. and I, yeah, I don't want to say too much, yeah. but Joaquin Phoenix. He's, I think, the most interesting actor working today, and this is why. This is one that yeah. anybody could have done and done well, and nobody could have made it ring so broadly true for such a not broad character yeah. that that he did. Yeah, it, I this movie like <laughs> it like hit me so hard. It is so oh, best good. part. It's ninety minutes. Ninety on minutes, the like dot. on the dot, clean, yeah, so heard tight. It's a, yeah. a brisk film. I yes. love that. Yeah. And yeah. what's his name? Johnny Greenwood. Johnny Greenwood. Did the score. Did the score. Great and score. It's a really great score. Yeah. It's this but movie. It's Lynn just, Ramsey. Yeah. And and to speak to uh, and it's going to come up later on my list. And I don't mean this to be a reductive term, but there's a softer touch to it. Yeah. That is not inherent to like a Taken movie. Right. That ends up giving this so much more artistic merit even on just a surface level before you dive into the material mm-hmm. it's phenomenal yeah she has a uh she has a real eye for like the humanity at the heart of this movie that's mm. something like a taken just doesn't the even violence consider is really so stark yeah. and it's never shown yeah. and i feel that that the catharsis that comes with seeing violence on screen without seeing it on screen yeah. and that to me does speak to a feminine filmmaker mm-hmm. you know not, not outwardly feminine but that's like no i think if women i'm gonna go are, see are taken i want to see arms broken <laughs> yeah. yeah right yeah i think it's an, it speaks to an exhaustion and us about constantly seeing violence constantly yeah. and then finding a way to tell that screen. same story better but without in, using the yeah violence. where with, you're like the impact it, without, without the you know yeah the gratuitous without the exploitation, the exploitation yeah. Yeah. yeah uh sandy why don't it's you go fantastic next? yeah uh, okay, um, another one of my favorite movies, uh, directed by a woman, is um, Gillian Armstrong's um, Little Women. Uh, it came Little out Little in women. 1984, I believe, yeah. um, and has Winona Ryder and um, Christian Bale's in it. And um, that, to me, that's probably like uh, the one that I've loved the most for the longest because I used to watch it constantly when I was younger. Um, I have three sisters, which is the same amount of siblings that Joe has in the film. Um, there's four March sisters. So I related to it on a deeply personal level, you know, where I was like, this is sort of the exact situation that I'm in, having grown up um, in a household that's full of women like that. Um, and me uh, relating the most to uh, Winona Ryder's character, Joe March, and it, it was also a big thing for me, where it was just like one of those, like you talk about formative films from your youth that sort of like, you watch them and then you watch them all the time after that. Mm. And then you were just like, this is a part of me, you know, yeah. like, and that's one of those films. One of the reasons that I love it so much is because it shows um, 
what would be to some people rather unremarkable upbringing um, between just a household of women. Um, you see like coming of age stories a lot. A lot of times it's um, a young man in a yep. coming of age story because it's kind of just like the trope in the genre and has been for a long time because yep. we've, you know, male centric cinema has been driven forward. We make movies about men. So this is a film about, <laughs> yeah. um, uh, about women coming of age. Um, in an environment where, you know, like this was like, it's uh, like during the Civil War. Um, mm. So that's the time period that we're in. You know, um, they're being raised by um, Susan Sarandon plays their mother, who they call Marmy. Um, and <laughs> yeah, that's her like her little nickname. I like that. Um, she, I would call her proto-feminist. She's okay. a transcendentalist. Um, so she raises her daughters in a way that is as feminist as you could get for the time. Sure. Um, and her, their father's away. He's in the war. So it's like they're primarily raised by her. Oh, interesting. Um, and um, it's it's a great film because I like seeing sort of how feminism has been an incarnate thing in culture forever. Um, it didn't just happen, you right. know, like the me, like me too, or whatever. Like it's been here. Like mm -hmm. women have been living this experience. Yeah, we this like label the lives. what the '60s is like the feminist revolution, but the that, first wave, of, you know, yeah, feminism. Right. Yes, but like I mean, there has been feminism before that. It right. hasn't been given a name. Right. You know, you talk about people like figures in um in history and like Mary Shelley or whoever, right. where it's like these also you know raised by a proto-feminist woman i would say mm -hmm. um and this is just something that has been around for a long time i i love it because it's just a very very feminine film um and shows the coming of age from a very feminine perspective and shows the ways that feminism has been in culture forever even when men have ignored it <laughs> stalwartly ignored it on purpose and who made um, this movie uh, her name is Gillian Armstrong, Jill and Armstrong. she's an Australian filmmaker. Um, I think you just she was a big part so of familiar. She was a big part of the Australian movement, like back when um, uh, what's his name, um, Picnic at Hanging Rock, uh, Peter Weir. Peter Weir, also a big yeah. Australian filmmaker. Right. Um, read, made made she made a film called My Brilliant Career um, right around the same time as Picnic at Hanging Rock. Okay, um, it has Sam Neill in it, and um, ooh, Sam Neill. Yeah, it's it's also a good one. Um, but but the, her adaptation of Little Women is my favorite. She has a has wonderful a wonderful cast. Um, it's just a really like I said a really feminine film. Um, uh, and 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 a just a film about um getting older and how you know your life has to change mm. when that happens and how everybody sort Charlotte of deals Gray. with growing up differently because mm -hmm. we get to see the perspectives of like these four women growing up in the same household, being raised by the same mother, mm -hmm. but all being very different. Having different paths. Yeah. And, yeah. So, um, uh, a long, long, long time favorite of mine. You just sold me yeah, on Little Women, I think. Please watch it. I believe it is also that. on Netflix right now. All right. Oh, right on. Cool. Uh, also, beautiful, beautiful, beautiful soundtrack by Thomas Newman. That's Ooh. one of my favorite soundtracks of all time, actually. Cool. So. I think, wait, so let me just get the order back on that. On I think we've each done two movies at this yeah, point, I, right? So I just did my number four. You're right. So I think we actually should start with you and continue it around, because now we've all hit our second movie, I yes. think, on the list. Oh, okay. Yeah. Cool. Hey, Matt. Yeah. All right, number three is a movie that, that got put in front of me by Mubi. It was like 65 minutes long. It's called Butter on the Latch. It's by Josephine Decker. Oh, that's on Shudder. I haven't watched it, but... It's... it's uh, That's wild that it's on Shudder, but I guess it, it is, is a horror movie in a way. Yeah. Because the one thing that stuck with me about it is there's a nightmare scene that just involves this one woman staring directly at the camera, and ah. her look connects in a way that's unsettling, and like it really put me on edge. And uh, it's just a really good movie. It's kind of abstract. It's kind of a slow burn. Um, what's funny, what brought me into it was when they announced it on Mubi, um, I had never heard of Josephine Decker, and I went down that rabbit hole, and she's connected to, like, the Joe Swanberg crew. Oh, yeah. And so, and I, I love everything that crew does. So I guess this is 
sort of a, the more artistic, uh, not artistic. It feels more art schooly, sure. but in in a good way. That I don't mean that to say it's amateurish. Yeah. I mean to say it, that it's sort of surreal and abstract. But yeah. highly recommend. And that that kind of blows my mind. It's on Shutter, but it does make sense because my angle into it is it does kind of position itself as a horror movie. And that's they've definitely been going it. for some subtly horrific films lately, which I kind of, which I, I like. Can appreciate that. Yeah, I think I think that horror is a broader genre than I think a lot of people oh, yeah. are willing oh, to. You know, it's like you, there's this dialogue in the horror community where they're like, "This isn't a horror film," yeah. or whatever. And people saying "Get Out" is not a horror film, and I'm just like, that blows my mind that you think like, that. You know, out. like the, I'm like, um, it's like, like they, the, what the horror of being a black person in America isn't right. isn't horrific to you? You know, of course, I guess well, it it's more like you're a white person, I know. but like it's just like so. You know, like the the horror genre is so much more than like Jason hacking people. Apart. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, it's just I'm like I love that film, but you know, it's just well, like, I think that a lot of that comes from like those people buying into this idea that horror is not as respected as other genres. Mm-hmm. So if we want our yeah. horror movie that we like Silence to of the get Lambs respect, people being like it's because it's a thriller, right? And we're exactly. Just like, no. It's so they're horror. like, it's horrifying. If we wanted to get the respect we think it deserves, we need to say it's not a horror movie. But that's really that community buying into. Like yeah, the powers the that be yeah. saying, like, well, horror doesn't deserve respect. I think, though, thanks to things like Get Out, that is swinging the other way. Yeah, where we're starting to accept them as movies. Yeah, and this uh, Butter on the Latch was on movie with, uh, with one of our other films called uh, Thou Wast Mild and Lovely. Even more surreal. Also but on it was Shutter. Like a cool, also on Shutter. <laughs> remember that them because they had very being... unique names, oh, and exactly. I was and like, kind of drew me to it. Interesting. That and they were short. I could yeah. watch them both in one night, but they turned out to be a really good double feature. Cool. Is Shutter worth getting? Yes. Okay. <laughs> Are you a horror fan? I am, and I've, I've always. It is absolutely about it. worth getting. It is currently still five dollars a month. That's awesome. That's pretty uh, good. Oh, and cheap. has a great selection of classic horror films, uh, contemporary horror films, and obscure horror films, and is basically a must-have for anybody who I would say even if you're a casual horror fan, but if you if you consider yourself to be a fan of those kinds of films, it, in my opinion, it's a must-have. So I might have oh. to do it. I can spare five dollars a month. Five bucks a month, <laughs> probably the cheapest of the streaming oh, platforms doubt, right yeah. now. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think the cheapest I have is Filmstruck, but only because I bought into the year yeah. in advance. I say, I think oh yeah, even Hulu is yeah, like nine, ten dollars a month or something. So yeah, yeah, it's the cheapest. So to your next butter show. on the latch. Mm-hmm. Uh, so okay, so um, the the movie that came out last year that I loved so much that it shot to the top of my favorite films ever directed by women is Novitiate by Maggie Betts. Um, and Novitiate, in my opinion, did not get the buzz that it deserved. Yeah, it came out at a very this. odd sort of time. Um, a lot of people said that Melissa Leo's in it and she um, oh, is like great. the she's like the reverend mother of a convent. Okay. Um, and a lot of people said that she should have been nominated for an Oscar. I believe she should have been. Um, and it was just I don't know. It came out at an odd time of year and she was overlooked somehow mm. for this role. But um, the film is about this trailer. Yeah. The film is about a bunch of young women who enter a convent oh, and wow. to become novitiates, which is basically the training program to be a nun. OK. Um, and. The film is about a lot of things. It's set in the 60s, so it's this very specific time. Um, the main girl is played by Margaret Qualley, who I'm a giant fan of. She's Andy McDowell's daughter. Hmm. Um, and she, um, in the context of the film, she's raised in a household where like, she wasn't really uh, raised with a religious upbringing. She was raised by a single mother, and her mom didn't take her to, to church or anything. She takes her like one time, and that's like sort of stokes this interest in her in Catholicism. Because she's like looking for direction, you know, like she's looking for some kind of meaning. 
um, which everybody does, especially when they're young. And mm-hmm. it's like she decides that she wants to be a nun. And um, so this is this film is about her entering this convent and about sort of like this process so that she goes through of, um, you know, what it especially um, what it was like to um, enter into um, the novitiate for her to be a nun back in this time period, because it's also about um, uh, the um, the Catholic Church changing around that time. Um, what because time period was it again? So in the 60s, 60s um, there, around that time in the Catholic Church, they were doing something um, called Vatican II, where they changed a lot of the oh, yeah. rules as far as like what um, being Catholic was, you know, um, and it's kind of continued on into the present because like now they have, you know, Pope Francis, who's like probably the most progressive pope of all time. But this was sort of it sort of began around this time period where they were sort of getting rid of a lot of the old dogma and trying to entice people to stay in the Catholic yeah. Church. They were, they were, it was a big um, movement to yeah, try and like get the, the public to continue being Catholic. Basically. But part of that was a lot yeah. of uh, about what um, they had told nuns that their job was in the context of the divine um, changing and um, a lot of nuns leaving the church consequently. So it's also about this, but um, oh, that's interesting. Maggie Betts, the director, she's a woman of color, which I think is very interesting, um, just because um, pretty much everyone in the convent is a white woman. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was part of the time period too, but sure. it, it, she she talked about like why she chose this particular subject matter to make a film about, and she said it was because she wanted to make a film that had almost an entirely female cast, mm-hmm. and she was like, there are very few situations in life where that would be the case. Mm. What could I make? What story could I tell where it would be pretty much only women, right. and about women's relationships with each other, mm-hmm. about how women think about love, and mm-hmm. about meaning, Um, and because a, a big theme in the film is about how women want love, and how they give love to other people. Um, and you know what, how they think about love. Mm-hmm. So um, it's the kind of movie only a woman could have made, <laughs> which are probably my favorite kinds of film made, films made by women because we just don't get them um, very often. But it uh, it's just a very very it's a very powerful film, um, and it it's about it's also about sort of the question of faith, which is something that like I've been obsessed with my entire life. There's mm-hmm. another movie I love called. Uh, Calvary with Brendan Gleeson. Oh, oh my god. By we John Michael McDonough, which Calvary. is one of my favorite movies of all time. I'm so glad to hear good. that you guys yeah, have seen Calvary it and that like you love it. It puts you out for a week. Yeah. It hurts. Oh my I god. I love that yeah. movie. Yeah. Probably my top five movies of all time, Calvary. Um, uh, I, I remember. But Novichi deals with some yeah, of the same sorry. themes as far as like how um, the existential sort of like view of life, you know, like what is what is faith about? Uh, what is religion about? Why do we need it? Why do we want it in our lives? You know, like, mm-hmm. um, how do you how do you be a good person? Like, um, according to whom and to what dictation? Yeah. You know, and it's like a lot of those questions in that film. Um, because being a nun is like a very strict and very specific and very insular sort of strange little world. So it's, it's a small film in one way in that it's dealing with a very specific group of women in a mm-hmm. very particular situation. Um, and then a very big film in that it deals with some very big questions about what it means to be alive and what humans want from everything, from our relationships with each other or, you know, um, from uh, our idea of, of the existential, of, you know, the divine. Um, and it's just, it's incredible. That sounds good too. That sounds awesome. Yeah, and I love I remember Moise the Leo. trailers and just kind of, and it looked really good, but I kind of figured it was just one of those movies that would be in and out. It didn't get buzz last year. I, I don't even to, remember hearing I mean, about it. I mean, it deserved it. You know, yeah. it's just one of those films. I hope will hopefully gain you know traction over time, and people yeah. will be like, "This movie's really good. You should watch this." You know, because there were so many great films directed by women last year that got so much buzz. This was one that I felt like really, really deserved it, mm-hmm. and just didn't get it Flew for under some the radar, reasons. Yeah, Rosalie. 
Sure. So I actually picked a silent film director because I, I really like silent film. Um, but I've like just got into like the early stages of trying to get into silent film. Like I've seen like a couple recently and I, yeah. I very much enjoyed them. I, I guess part of it was, you know, just from when I was in school, um, it's a lot of the first, you know, cinema I watched because I found cinema very late mm-hmm. in my life. Um, but Lois Weber, um, she actually was one of the first female filmmakers. And to your point about, you know, feminism always being there, mm-hmm. that was what a lot of her films were about. Um, she really used movies to basically just focus on social justice, humanity, um, just things going on she in the world. Code. Yes. Yeah. That was such an interesting time mm-hmm. period for film. And. What yeah, a lost. lot of her films are up on YouTube. I I really enjoy The Blot. There's another film she made called Suspense. Um but definitely check her out. Um Say her name again for me. I'm sorry. Sure, Lois Weber. Lois Weber. Yeah. Okay. And a lot of the films like I said they're up on YouTube, so if you Google. That's cool. Yeah. That's nice. really cool. That's uh I just I that so like the only silent movie I'd seen until recently was Joan of Arc. Okay. Or I think that's what it's called, right? It's just called mm-hmm. Joan of Arc. Yeah. But I saw it like on TV late at night with like my high school girlfriend, and it had <laughs> mm-hmm. like this this score that I guess was like not in the movie originally. It was mm. like like in the '80s or something. There was like a re-release that the score was written for, and it was like the, I like I to this day like remember that movie being on TV, and we're just like two eighteen-year-olds that like don't give a shit oh, yeah. about and like. The first, like, as soon as we get to the channel that it's on, like, stopping immediately at whatever image was on screen because it was so striking. And, and then the just, dream. like, yeah. not being able to turn the channel and just being drawn into this, like, really remarkable, like, movie. Uh, and then, like, recently I've, I've, I started watching, um, what did I see? What's uh, Cabinet of Dr. Caligari uh, okay. and some stuff like that, yeah. uh, which I liked a lot. Um, so I'm, like, just dipping my toes into the silent Sweet. waters recently. That's yeah. when you get into, like, the whole notion of, like, pure cinema. Yeah, yeah. Because, like, pure cinema with sound means something different than yep. without sound. But, yep. like... Much in the same way, if I lose my hearing, my vision becomes more, you yep. know, uh, sharper, or vice versa. Same thing happens when you watch something silent. It's like, yeah, these yeah, other I, things highlight. When I started to really get into it, and I, so I love Buster Keaton. Um, oh yes, but him and and Charlie Chaplin, they would have competitions of like who could make a film with like the least like title cards. Oh, wow. <laughs> and that's another thing I like about it. I mean, it really relies on like what you're showing yeah, to people. Yeah. 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 Show don't tell like mm-hmm. in the highest form. I, okay. So well, I've that been... was the big thing when Mad Max Fury Road came out. Uh, George Miller was talking mm. about how watching a movie like the general is similar. He's like, I just wanted to make a movie that if we turned off the sound, you would still just, you'd exactly. get the gist, yeah. you know, we would tell the story. I've been trying to figure out what other movie I want to bring up, and I, uh, there's like a bunch I really want to bring up. Uh, okay, I think I'm. I, I think I am just going to hand it to. to I'm, I'm going to put Wonder Woman on my list uh, oh, by right Patty on. Jenkins because right. I fucking <laughs> loved Wonder Woman, and I had like such. A, we were talking before about like, hey, it's really not that hard to like relate to other people's experiences on screen, like even if you don't look like them or whatever. Uh, Wonder Woman was we're this all human. like yeah, and like. Uh, uh, representation has become like very important to me. Like I, I, uh, the, the importance of representation has become important to me, you know? Uh, and the, I, I just still, I will never forget the moment she stands up and runs through no man's. I literally started crying because I was like, so I, it was and just, went, and the studio wanted to cut that out. 
I, I know. I heard crazy. that. That that's that was the... that is the movie. Like that wow, scene. I didn't know that. Yeah, they wanted that cut. Yeah, that is the movie to that me. Distills like that everything it means yes. to that's be like a hero. My that's like the whole thing. Yeah, that's the best it, scene in the movie. <laughs> I don't think it anyone. That's one of the great feminist moments in film. Oh, it's unreal. It's... I think it even deserves to go down as like one of the great moments in superhero film on the oh, whole. Yeah. It's yeah. just yeah. a beautiful moment. Yeah, but it just like it's so exciting. I literally I was overwhelmed with emotion watching it because I was so I was just thinking about like my friends have a three year old daughter that I spent a lot of time with and she is like she's so awesome and she's growing up in this era where she has her own heroes she ha- you know and like I, I was thinking about all those things about like my mom and my sister didn't have this stuff and Penny does have these things now and like I was so overwhelmed when that moment happened when she just stood up she went out through the front lines and I don't know it was just oh, it, it took us like seven Batmans and four yeah. Spider-Mans to get one Wonder Woman yeah, Which, yeah. Uh, it just it's like, it's, uh, I don't even want to go on about the DC universe <laughs> yeah no uh, uh, oh, you mean the you mean the Marvel universe no, the DC with Wonder Woman, like the yeah. Batmans, the Supermans. Yeah. We get a new Batman every oh, two well, years. We get one Wonder Woman per lifetime. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, At least they yeah. made a, a film about a woman. Could oh, yeah. Directed yeah. by Wonder a woman. Oh, yes. No, like we don't Disney that. right now. No, I, I agree. But though they, yeah. did, they, they, though they did release Wrinkle in Time. Yeah. I would do that. Mm-hmm. And uh, Frozen, I think, was, was them, right? And I think that was directed by a woman, too. Um, but, uh, yeah, they, I, I just was so impressed by that movie. And I, I, I really... Um, I, I, yeah, I loved Wonder Woman, and then that scene in particular is just like, I, I don't it's know. It's like I, a rousing good time. Well, it and I really just, that scene in particular is like, when we talk about representation, it's like, this is why we're talking about it, because we're putting something on screen to inspire generations of people that don't, that right now are, are not getting that, you know, mm-hmm. and, and deserve to have that as much as you or I do, Dan. You know? Being able to watch Ghostbusters with my niece yes. is pretty awesome. Yeah. Yep. That was a, an incredible thing, because yeah. now I love Ghostbusters, and so does she. So does she, yeah. And that's cool. Yeah. Yeah, it's I, a, it's my, my boyfriend movie. has a nephew who I'm very close to, and we've bonded over our love of all of the Ghostbusters. Oh, I together. love that. That's so, so good. Yep. Yeah, it's, that's um, a running gag. And he doesn't. Show is and and home. the most yeah. important thing to me is that he just he it, it's always like he's always talking about like all of them yes, when he talks right. about them to me. You know, yeah. like not he's, he's not dividing like, them. Yeah, it's yeah. like it's all like one thing in his mind, and yeah. I'm like, this that's is cool. what it's about. You know, yeah. this is a, like we can all be included yes. here. Like we can all be a part of this. And we can share a love of something together. So. I love that. We misconstrue the idea that by inviting new people in, we have to let old people out. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, it's so dumb. There's yeah. plenty, more, give me more there's Ghostbusters. There's plenty of room. Yeah. We can yes. expand this space. It's yep. not a finite thing. You know? Yeah. And the same deal with, with um, you know, di- many different w- women who are directing things films many different people of color who are directing films like it not being a small box where yeah. only a few people can be in there it's yep. like no we can all be in here yep. and we can have so many different kinds of films yep. from all kinds of women about all of their different experiences mm-hmm. you know and yeah, I, well, I feel like there's this there's still this like idea film. yeah there's still this idea you know in the industry where like they're like we can only have like one poc director right now right. or whatever you're yeah. just like why yeah. like yeah you know like can we just like Let's let's green light things, yeah, you know, know, like and it's like capitalism is a big part of that problem. But mm-hmm. um <laughs> yep. but that's another subject. But you know though that's where we come through and when those movies happen you support them. Yeah, yep. Yeah, yeah. Um, buy a ticket. Yeah, yeah you gotta talk Go about them it. and yep, yeah. Is it uh, me? Yeah, it is you, sir. Right, well my number my number two, it's it's one of the best action movies ever made oh and my it's God, made by a woman you know it's Point Break <laughs> oh dude I was literally about Break. to drop that and I was like no nah, I'm gonna give it to and Wonder Woman the best Woman. part about Point Break is that it captures this male brotherhood 
that the villainy in the Brotherhood is made by posturing and, and machismo. Yeah, right. And the softness is where they bond. Yeah. Uh, they bond over Bodhi being his cool bro. But yeah. when, when they're... <laughs> Kevin being the soft cool <laughs> Oh, it's amazing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Oh, I mean, they, they're they they're totally into each other. Yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah, yeah. And then when that breaks, we get screaming into the sky and yeah. shooting oh, a yeah. gun. Yeah. But it's also just like, plus that movie rips. And she gave us <laughs> Keanu so as an action star who at mm-hmm. the time made no sense as an action star. And I also gave that. him ero- an erotic shower. Yes, yep. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Which, uh, God bless you. And a really Catherine. uncomfortable scene where he wakes up on the beach and has to do a drug sting where oh, there's yeah, right. clearly sand in his jeans. <laughs> ah! <laughs> Oh, that's I can't watch that. Yeah. When he's laying next to the lawnmower and they're pushing his head oh, into it, uh, I'm sitting there like, "Oh my god, uh, there's so much sand in his jeans." <laughs> Stand him up. It's it's the that movie rules. Oh, that movie rules so hard. It's and, so good. Yeah. And once again, not to be reductive, but the softer touch applied to the action is what is so good about it. What's so inviting about it? I also feel it like... is the anti Michael Bay, but yep. it scratches the exact same itch. That his movies, uh, you know, pretended to scratch. Yeah. Well, in an era of Schwarzeneggers and, uh, exactly. you know, like the, I, I feel like it was only Catherine Bigelow that was going to be like, no, no, we need Keanu. Like, that's my action oh, yeah, star. Yeah, yeah. You know? We always need We need yeah. that guy. Yeah. I'm, I'm number one Keanu Reeves Yo, fan right here. Yeah. You're on the right show. We love us some Keanu. <laughs> I follow I will a come back and talk about Keanu whenever you guys need me to do yeah. that. There's a subreddit called Keanu, Keanu, Keanu being episode. awesome. And all it is is pictures of Keanu being awesome. And there is... <laughs> There's, there's never. A oh wait, the Twitter uh, Ke- Keanu doing things or whatever it's well, called. Well, this is a subreddit. It's a Keanu oh, it's a being awesome. Oh, okay. And I'm amazed at at I, there's never been a repeat. And there's new material every hour. Yeah. <laughs> He's just always that sounds awesome. wonderful. Just him hanging out with homeless people, <laughs> or you know, just being. Yeah, there's a, a there's a, a similar bro. Twitter that's like just him sort of being weird and yeah. wearing <laughs> suspenders and, or being in a yeah. bathtub or whatever. Yeah. It's just like there's this endless array of strange. Pictures. I saw a picture of him the other day. Just doing, just being Keanu. I saw a picture of him the other day on the set of John Wick. So he's covered in blood because he's just been shooting John Wick and he's just eating pasta. I'm pretty sure you saw that because I retweeted. Oh, it was you. I'm 99% sure. He did. What I love about that is, sure, it shows it being casual, but Keanu packs his own lunch. I know. He brought pasta from home. Exactly. It's in a Tupperware container. He brought Tupperware. He was like, "Well, I don't want to be wasteful." Oh, so good. He's the perfect human being. He's, he's great. Well, and he's great in Point Break. Yeah. And, is. you know, and that's that's the two action heroes are not your big beefy right. Stallones from the 80s. Yeah. It's it's fucking uh, Gary Busey. Gary Busey. He's yeah. not action at yeah. all. Oh my but he's God. the best. You talk. Give me two. Yeah. So, <laughs> so good. good. So good. Sandy, so why don't you give us your next one? Are we on number four? I believe we are. So... Mine's a toss-up between two films because, okay, A, I wanted it to be... I love Marie Antoinette by Sofia Coppola. Mm-hmm. But I wanted to also... And, and Rosalie and I were talking about this before. Um, we definitely wanted to try to focus on filmmakers, female fem- filmmakers who don't get quite as much of the limelight sometimes. Mm-hmm. And I feel like the big ones are probably... Catherine, Catherine and Sophia, Sophia and whose yeah. films yep. I adore yep. of both of them but um it's pretty much it's like the first thing you think of you know because yeah. their films have definitely gotten the most notoriety oh, like, 1000% yeah. was literally they the both first one Oscars I about, you know yeah. yep. they're just like you know they were you know involved with with famous men which yes. I think is kind of you know Oh it, interesting it, I didn't even think about it that It helped yeah. them get in the door yeah. you sure. know Catherine in the past Bigelow's that was kind of you needed to know somebody right so if your dad is Francis Ford Coppola or if your husband is James Cameron like it opens the door for you which thing, is yeah. just a fact you yep, know like yeah. i don't think it's going to be i would hope it's not as much of a problem in the future that, right. that you need to know somebody right. that way you know right. but like it's just one of those things but um 
Yeah, Marie Antoinette's one of my favorites, but um, I'm gonna sit. I'm gonna talk about my other favorite one um, for number four, which is um, uh, Under the Tuscan Sun, directed oh. by Audrey Wells, um, which is a film that I sort of watched like on accident. I like to, uh, I like rom coms sometimes, you know, <laughs> like if I'm like uh, I- I feeling in a specific mood, it's like I have these two parts of me. One part loves horror films and gothic stuff, and the other one uh, is into, you know, like a very specific kind of romantic comedy yeah. that can be hard to find sometimes. So um, I'm always really overjoyed when I find something that I think is really special. And uh, one of the things I love about this specific film is it's not really a love story between two people. It's a love story uh, with yourself, hmm. which is something that you just never really see, and you don't get to see it regarding... Women being in love with themselves. Mm. Um, so uh, it's based on a book written by a woman who moved to uh, Tuscany after she was divorced. And she um, bought this big, beautiful old house and needed to renovate it. So it's kind of about her experience like renovating this house. Mm. But Audrey um, kind of wrote this script based on the book and made it a narrative film rather than just sort of like a biographical thing that mm. it was originally. Mm. Um, and Diane, Diane Lane's in it. Who I love, um, yeah, and uh, she's so good in it. Um, just is she's such an emotive actor. Like I just feel like she's so good at making you feel something, which is everything. You know, having that sort of genuine sort of emotional like connection with like the material or whatever's happening. And um, yeah, the the main reason I love it is because it's not really like she she kind of has like you know a few like sort of romantic situations in the film, mm-hmm. but it's really about her um, dealing with like this traumatic thing that happened to her um, and finding joy in life again and and being in, and like finding a way to be in love with herself. So it's just it's a very specifically like um, special film that I feel like. I'm really glad I sort of found it on accident because I just sort of watched it. You know, I was like, oh, I'll just watch this film. It's on Netflix or whatever, and it's mm-hmm. going to be dumb, I'm sure. And I'm like, this is just... This That's is the best the, one that This happens. is the yeah. most beautiful film. And I was just like, so... Like, I was just like, in tears, you know? I was just like... <laughs> I, was like I was like, this has changed my life, you know? I was just like, yeah. It's just a really beautiful, like, sort of small film about loving yourself, made by a woman, you know, about a woman specifically um, having a love affair with herself in a beautiful location, which doesn't hurt. So, yeah, that's a favorite of mine. Rosalie. Yeah, so I put this one on my list because it took me too long to watch it. Like, (laughs) it was like on my queue, and I was like, I just kept procrastinating it. Um, but a girl walks home alone at uh, night. I am continually procrastinating movie. on that movie. You I'm need in the process to watch of that. it. It's um, so good. But it's by Anna Lily Amapour, which Amapour. I hope I said. Yeah, I, I, think so. I believe that's how you say it. But I just loved everything about this movie. I mean, well, one, it's black and white. Mm-hmm. Um, and as much as I do love like the Technicolor style movies, I, I still love black and white films. Mm-hmm. Um it's about vampires, <laughs> even though they never really say the word vampire mm-hmm. in the film, um, which is really interesting, but also just dealing with loneliness. And a lot of the film is kind of silent. I mean, it's just her showing you. Um, but yet you got to watch it. I, I really want to <laughs> see it. You recommended it to me. The black and white yeah. is like, it, it almost looks like you're looking at like an ink painting. Exactly. It's like so thick. And I don't want to say greasy because it's crisp and digital, yeah. but it, it just really has like a texture to it. Yeah. It's so good. Ooh. The yeah. music like works its way into the film in a way that's like tactile. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's she's awesome. A, she loves uh, music. It's a, mm. it's a big thing in The Bad Batch, too, which is okay. the film she had. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't watched that one yet. Yeah. But I know been it's been polar. But I, but I liked it. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's a very strange film. But, um, Keanu's in it. 
Bad Batch was rougher for but me. I, that was one where I'm like, I could separate that into like 20 minute awesome movies, but it like kind of worth thin yeah. on me after a while. It is a strain. But she film. gets a forever pass for yeah, A Girl yeah, Walks yeah. Home Alone at Night. That is yeah, like, and that was her first feature, which is which just is, so crazy to me. Um, I remember I how big see... the buzz was around that movie. Oh, yeah. And for a first time filmmaker, that's like, it's pretty rare that you end up with that kind of thing right out the gate. Yeah, Just I definitely want to see what she does next. I think she's doing something on TV right now. But Oh yeah, I think she's directing the episodes for some kind of TV so show. I, I feel like it's on like I FX what or about something. I cannot remember what the show is. She's I'm like really bad at the last following. season of It's Always Sunny. <laughs> yeah. I'm really bad at following TV. Oh, Legion. Oh, Legion. wow. Legion. Yeah. Well, and that she's is an episode, known right, for and, some, and somebody right? else did too. Somebody else who I like. <laughs> Um, That's like known oh, for its visuals too. One directors. <laughs> yeah. I think it's for the most recent season. You can do it. Uh, none of these people. Oh, Noah Hawley. Well, I know he's well, yeah, the showrunner, like yeah. but I love Fargo. Yeah. Penny Gordon, Tim Mylands. I don't. I don't know any of these. People. Yeah, I don't know either. Sorry. This is a show. This is probably at the top of my to watch list. I only. I've only seen like the first three episodes. Uh, I really liked them. It was back when it was um, first airing, so it was on the FX app that I was trying mm. to watch it, and their app is terrible. Mm. So I stopped watching it because I couldn't stand their app anymore. And uh, now it's update on the other, FX. So I need to. Uh, need to watch. Yeah, I really want to watch again, it. I but am... I liked what I saw. It's very strange too. That's yeah. a strange show. I mean, I can see why they would gravitate to a airport because she's she likes odd stuff. Yeah, too. Well, movie, movie. We are big Dan Stevens fans. <laughs> I love movie, Dan movie. Stevens. Yeah, y'all. Yeah, the guest is like. Oh my that god, is just the best movie ever. I'm, <laughs> I'm so glad that we like some of the same films. You guys oh. are talking about Love and Calvary, and you Yo. love the guest. Like the guest is probably my favorite my movie of like here. the last ten years. I can't get <laughs> best over day of how my much life. I, I think I think guest. about the guest maybe once Yo, a day. Me oh, yeah. too. Holy shit. I, I listened to the soundtrack probably yes. so Soundtrack's much incredible. that so if it was good. a physical CD, uh-huh. it would be a broken yes. CD yeah. because I would have worn it. You know, like I used to have a little CD player and I would listen to things yeah. like uh, just ad nauseum to the point where it was like scratched yeah. and skipped and I had ruined it and I would just keep listening to it because I didn't care. Yeah. And this was one of those films where I was like, this would be one of my favorite CDs. You that, know? Like, that movie is like... If, if it I, was when I was 14. Yeah. Oh, yeah. If I had to, like... If, if someone was like, hey, can you describe your taste in movies to me that like I had never met? And they were like, you have like six seconds. I would just hand them the guest. Mm-hmm. This is everything you need to know about like my taste in movies. Nice. Like, I, oh, I love that movie. Best day of my life was at the film festival when I saw Housebound... Uh, it follows in the guest back to back that to is back. Such oh, a wow. great, it was like the greatest day of my life. Yeah. I couldn't even think after that. It was so. Good. I love all three of those movies. Yeah, and they're all fantastic yeah. movies that are just like that is so suited to. to oh, and two, two Micah Monroe and just in a. In oh yeah, yeah, that's true. I love yep. her. Yeah, yeah, she's great. Uh, so my number four. I don't know if this is out of left field. Maybe not. Uh, and I don't even know how you guys feel about <laughs> this. I don't know. Uh, Making the Shining by uh, Vivian Kubrick. Uh, oh, this cool. is the documentary. I don't even know about that. Yeah, so this, this is the is your docu- number one. This is my number two. Oh, okay. Uh, uh, like, wow. So <laughs> yeah, uh, this is a, a a documentary that Kubrick's wife made uh, about the making of The Shining. Uh, I think it's available like just as like a special feature on the DVD of The Shining. Uh, and it's um it. So what I like about it is just it's um you know. Ever since Entertainment Tonight and, and now movie blogs and all this stuff, like right. behind the scenes stuff are these very calculated things. Uh, 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 you know, a, a, every actor is, a, is trying to sort of make sure they get across their brand and persona properly. And, but, you know, they're these just very calculated things. This is just 
a very real look at the making of a movie with a man who is a difficult person to make a movie with, by all accounts, mm. um, who is also like a brilliant filmmaker. And so it's just, it is a really fascinating, seemingly honest look at like that guy's process and how he makes movies. There are moments where you watch him and uh, uh, Shelley Duvall like go at each other's throats, kind of like it, you know, so like you see some of that like ugly stuff that like we now know about that went on behind the scenes of that this. movie. In a movie that his his wife made, docu- documenting like the making of the movie, it's really fascinating. You also get to see a lot of great Jack Nicholson stuff, like his sort of like, you know, like they're they she's rolling camera like the sort of like thirty seconds preceding him axing the door oh, I've down. I've seen that footage before. That's it, right. working himself up. Yeah, <laughs> and it's like it, it's like frightening to watch. You're like watching this actor like really psych himself into like a like a psychosis. Basically, he doesn't it's, have to do it a second time. Or yeah, a third yeah, time, right. Or a yeah, it's it, it, it's it it's a really impressive movie, especially for nice. something that feels like she picked up a camera and she started just you know documenting that right. it, it's a really impressive little movie that I, I just like and part of me putting it on this list is I just fucking love The Shining so it's like an excuse to what a just great, talk about that like, a little bit what but. a great uh, parallel to have the wife of this creator yeah. standing on the outside of his madness yes. just trying to process it yeah, like, it's, that's really cool it's really interesting yeah uh, I like it a lot number two my number one? Let's hit our number one. ones. And then we can wrap this up. I feel like we're probably keeping you oh, guys yeah. a little too long. Apologize. <laughs> it's okay. So this is this is a movie that I literally only saw once, and I could probably just rattle it off scene by scene because yeah. it's so powerful. But it's co-directed, and one of the directors is a female named Katya Lund. It's City of God. Oh, yeah. Uh, City of God is one of those movies. I thought about putting like, this on my list. That That's just life homework. Yeah. Like You have to watch that movie. It's, it's just one of those that you need to see. It yep. covers everything. But yes, it was two directors. The other one's for I'm I'm not gonna get it right. Fernando, uh, my Marais, Marais. I'm not sure. I know, but Katia Lund, uh, City of God. I, yeah. I don't know if there's much to say about it. Just the fact that this is a movie that even if I never see it again, I will think about uh, as regularly as something that I watch on a regular basis. Yeah, phenomenal film. Yeah. It'll break your heart ten times. Yep. but it's it's ultimately hopeful. Yeah, and. I'm always impressed when people can can co-direct because um, there has to be some compromise there. There has to be some sort of checks and balances, but also at the same time, there can be uh, a molding that happens where they become more powerful filmmakers because of one another. Um, I love Inside Lewin Davis because that's just each of the uh, uh, Coen brothers saying, life would be shit without the other half of my creative duo. You know, I couldn't do it without them. Yeah. If you jumped off of the they jump off the Brooklyn Bridge. Yeah. If you jumped off, you know, that kind of a thing. And so seeing something like City of God, which is such a monumental movie, yeah. and one that I remember when I watched it, we were snowed in at my friend's house. And so we were like, eh, okay, let's put this on. It's good and long. And then everyone by the end was drooling with just like, I, I don't know what to do with yeah. this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Phenomenal. And it's, so, beautiful. it's beautiful. It's like a really good looking movie, yeah. City of God. Love that movie. Sandy, number one. My number one is The Countess by Julie Delphi, um, who is most well-known probably for uh, the the Before trilogy. Yep. Um, Like The Love Witch, Julie Delphi directed this film, produced this film, wrote this film, wrote the music for this film. Like, it was, this is her movie. Yeah. Um, it is about the Countess Elizabeth Bathory, who uh, is a, sort of an infamous figure in, historically speaking, um, 
akin to like a Lizzie Borden or somebody. <laughs> she was um, a countess and she, uh, they say, uh, would murder virgins and take baths in their blood and drink their blood uh, to be she believed it would keep her young. Mm. Um, this mm-hmm. is just the tale. Yes. The tall yeah, tale. yeah. Yeah. Um, and this is one of those movies that I know I said this a couple times tonight, but this is the kind of movie that only a woman could make. Mm-hmm. Um, people are like, people have asked me cause I've talked about this film and how much I love it before and how it was like just a, an experience for me. And I was just sort of beside myself watching this movie. You couldn't believe it even exists. Like, seemed like something I would have just made up in my head that like, I was like, this would never get made. This would be great if it existed. And I was just like, this thing exists in the world um, that nobody knows about it, I guess. Um, but um, it, it's just, uh, people have asked me what, what's the genre of the film? And I'm like, it's, uh, it's a, a biographical film for this woman. It's um, a, a Gothic romance. It is a horror film. It is a melodrama. It mm. is, um, you know, it's more. It, it's not the kind of film I can call one thing. It's mm-hmm. just How long like ago this. Did she make it? She, I believe it was two thousand nine. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm looking at it right now. She, she. It was funded. I think it was a, a f- mostly a French funded film. Okay. She got funding somehow. I don't know how, but she made. She just did everything for yeah. this film. You know, composed the music. Like right. That's a, yeah, yeah, yeah. She plays the main role. Okay. You know, yep. this is... Uh, um, so it's her vision from this is her top vision to bottom, from start top to finish. To bottom. Yeah. And it's the whole thing is just like, um, just this masterpiece of the feminine gaze. Um, and just, uh, it's just about this, it's about a woman who is dealing with the circumstances that she's been given. And it's about her, just her struggle with that, you know, and like just her, her suffering this horrible fate mm-hmm. and like just her um going through like extreme grief and like what it does to her um and there's these incredibly beautiful costumes in it with all these like little like small details um like all this like ornate sort of like um embossing on these gowns that she wears and all this stuff that i just like is my favorite thing in films is just like extreme detail that's mm-hmm. like very feminine and um you know, like women notice these specific things about life. Um, and when they can make films, they bring a perspective that no one else can. Yeah. So this to me is sort of the ultimate sort of um, feminine film that only a feminine person could have made mm-hmm. this way. Mm-hmm. You know, for um, what should be um, an unsympathetic woman. Right who has been demonized, right? Right, And somehow making you empathize with her and feel, you know, sadness and pain for her, you know? And so, yeah, it's, it's, I just, I really loved it. We do for troubling male characters all the time. Oh, yeah. (laughs) How can I relate to this psychopath, Yeah, yeah. But this is one of those films where, but but in in a uniquely, you know, feminist, feminine way. Um, that sounds great. It's so special. Yeah, I've never even heard of it, and it looks very cool. It's very, very. It's it just so Hurt unique. And Daniel Brühl too. It has, it, Daniel, yeah, Daniel Brühl, who I love. Um, and just like she shoots, for instance, she shoots Daniel Brühl this way. That's just so, like, I'm like, this only only women perceive men this way. You know, mm-hmm. like this is what feminine gaze is. Mm-hmm. Like though, just the way that she's like, you feel like you're seeing him 
through her eyes, mm-hmm. you know, like how would a woman perceive this man in this situation? How does she see him, you know? And and how, and in a way that's like this is how she thinks of him, mm-hmm. and that's just that's so it's difficult to do that, you yeah. know, like, um, and that's why women have to make those films, yeah, because we know how we look at men and think about men, yeah, you know, and and we can, we're the ones who can find a way to translate that into mm-hmm. a film, yeah, that's really interesting. I would like to see that, yeah, I would like to see that too, yeah, highly recommend. Thank you. It also looks like it leans into horror a little bit. It definitely does, Ooh, yeah. Got some more in there. Rosalie, what is your number one? So, I mean, this one is definitely a name everybody's heard by now, but Mm -hmm. I just had to include Greta Gerwig because Mm. I just think, you know, with Lady Bird last year, Mm -hmm. I really feel like it's opening the doors. You loved Lady Bird, too. It was personal. I did love Lady Bird because it was, again, like a character that I could relate to Mm -hmm. and a lot of just the situations. It reminded me of, like, growing up. Mm Um, the interaction again, like I mentioned earlier with her mother, um, but what also just a lot of the interviews I read with Greta was just that she's really thinking now, do I want to be in front of the camera or Mm. behind the camera? Mm -hmm. And I just think that's really important. And especially just her messaging, like, Hey, you have an idea for a film, make it like, don't let anybody stop you from telling the story. I mean, I don't know what. She, you said she was. She, I guess you read something where she said that, but I think mm-hmm. it's possible to be both. You know, there's plenty of men. Oh, who definitely. Have done both too, and I think she should be allowed to do both. If she wants to continue to act, she should be allowed to and to continue to make films. Oh, sure, definitely. And I think you know she definitely realizes that. But I think something that was interesting to me was I saw that um, when she was writing this because her partner um, in life is Noah Baumbach, mm-hmm. and he wanted to direct Lady mm. Bird. And she was like, no, mm-hmm. I have to direct mm-hmm. it. And that stood out to me because it's like, I can't imagine if a guy yeah. would have directed Lady Bird. Yeah. I think it would have had a completely different tone. Yeah. And I'm glad that she, you know, stood up and was like, no, I need to make this. Especially Bomba. His movies are all about like neurosis. Like those <laughs> yeah. those things that happen between her and the mother would seem like the like would make both those characters seem like it was all this like neurosis that was making those like right. interactions happen that way. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like maybe, I don't know. I'm putting a little bit on that, but that, I don't know. That's but yeah, like, I, would be I'm different. just excited. Yeah. Different. I'm excited to see what else she does. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. I really am. And I would actually be excited to see her direct herself. Yeah. I think that would yeah, be interesting. Because be interesting. I enjoy her in things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I enjoyed Lady Bird and I would just like to see that combo. Yeah. Lady Bird was the movie that made me realize I'm officially old because I related way more to the parents than I did the kids in that movie. It, it killed me that they're I was class of O two and they were class of O three and yeah. I'm like, Oh my god, they're nostalgic about what feels like yesterday to fuck. Yeah. Yep. Get off my Well, lawn. I actually <laughs> so I actually saw Lady Bird at TIFF. Mm-hmm. Um and she and Greta was there. And one of the reasons she said she picked that timer is because she did not want to shoot cell phones. Oh. And uh, that was like kind of the last time where there yep. wasn't people using like smartphones. Well, the right. the yeah, Timothy Chalamet character like, being like cell phone. Yeah. <laughs> and and she said she did not want to like but shoot her. a smartphone that screen. Was her, huh? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which yeah. I, I thought made sense because yeah, sometimes I feel like well, except when I watch Logan, I really didn't feel like we've seen a lot of good like camera work with cell phones. Mm-hmm. But Logan did a pretty good job of showing it on the smartphone. Oh yeah, yeah. The video. That's right. Yep. In yeah. the lab. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Well, don't forget yeah. the film's shot entirely with an iPhone like uh, yeah, uh, 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 Tangerine. tangerine. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, 
Okay, so my number one, right? Oh, you know what I want to say about yeah, Lady Bird? Go. You know what got me about that movie? Is where I could identify with it most beyond the age is I went through the exact same journey regarding how I felt about Dave Matthews Band. Yeah. And it was informed very much by the same sort of hormonal rebellion kind of thing. And it always thing. seemed to just show up. Yep. This, like, <laughs> yeah, you know, when that song started to play, I was like, oh my God. Because yeah. I, I do not like Dave Matthews at all. Yeah, me neither. High five. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, wow, yeah, that song would play at like the most inopportune time. <laughs> Uh, okay, my number one. This is like maybe a super left field pick. That's kind of why I like it. I yeah. I have not stopped thinking about this movie since I saw it like a couple years ago. I didn't realize it was directed by a woman when I saw it. I found that out later. Has anybody here seen Ravenous? Oh, dude, that's on my honorable mentions. Uh, by Ravenous Antonia is so Bird. awesome. My husband loves that movie. It's so good. Have, have either of so you guys good. seen that? No. So Ravenous it takes place during the Civil War. This is the Guy Pierce. Yes. Yes. Uh, it. And uh, what's his name from uh, Train Spotting? Uh, uh, Why can't I think of it? Yeah. Uh, and twenty weeks later. Yeah. Uh, God damn it! Yeah, I can't think of his name. Begby. So, <laughs> yeah. It, it takes place during the uh, the Civil War, uh, and it's Robert a, Carlyle. Yes. Yeah. And it's about a man <laughs> that like shows up at a I think a Union camp. I think I don't think it's a Confederate camp. I think, I think it's a Union. Yeah. It's like I a think Union it's outpost. It's a Union outpost. Uh, uh, claiming. It, claiming a very strange story that is is sort of loosely based on like the the Donner Party story, like is kind of what he describes, like that kind of situation. Oh, we, my unit got lost uh, out in the mountains, we and we had we had to eat each other. <laughs> uh, can, uh, uh, but I I think some of them may still be alive and in danger. Will you come with me to to get them out? And that begins this really bizarre horror movie. That is about Wendigos and uh, Ooh, I love yeah, Wendigo. cannibalism. I am number one pet cemetery fan yeah. too. So, uh, <laughs> and it's uh, man, it, I'm hoping they put the Wendigo in the new one. Oh, I have a Wendigo <laughs> tattooed on my shoulder. Yeah. Oh, nice! I love my Wendigo. It's uh, <laughs> and it has a score uh, by um, uh, 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 what's his name from Blur and Gorillas? Uh, 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 oh yeah, uh, uh, Daniel Alburn. Da- Damon Al- sure. Alburn. Alburn. Yep. Uh, he did the score. I believe it's the only movie wow. he's ever scored. Uh, I did not know that. Yeah, That's so it's just it's this very weird movie that like David Arquette shows up. Yes, David Arquette. <laughs> it. It's like it's kind of funny. It's got good horror in it. Uh, it it's it's grisly as fuck. Yeah, yeah. it's it, it it it's a very strange movie that just like the whole time I was watching, I was like, what the fuck am I watching? And then by the end of it, I was like, whatever it was, I fucking loved it. Like, everything about it. Uh, I highly recommend Ravenous. It's really interesting and weird. And You're making me good. regret not putting Raw on my list. Raw, oh, would, Raw would be my number one. It didn't one. even strike That's me. Still I one, forgot I, I about have that. to watch that. Raw will Raw is so turn you upside which it's, down. It's actually sitting in my house right now from the library. It, it's really worth um, watching. And I really want to watch it. Um, my husband, Ben, has watched it, and I he loved it. I have the same issue that I feel I would have, which is why I haven't watched it yet, is that Rosalie and I are both vegetarian people. Yeah. And seeing And it's a little concerning. Maybe something I feel like I don't know, I might need to be in the right mood for. Do you guys but know that I that's actually think that that's that's t- that's actually tied into the movie. Yeah, in I, was a way say, you know that I know she starts about? off as a vegetarian and yeah. then they're hazed, which yeah. also yeah. seems like rough watching yes. to me. Oh, oh the it's movie is a rough so. watch. So yeah. it's I've, very I've been putting things. it off sort of squeamishly yeah. being like, I love horror, but this is very specific to yeah. like my trigger zone. Yes, yes, okay, fair, fair. But it is trying to pull those triggers though, because yeah, I'm a, I mean, I'm, I'm a I mean, I'm willing vegetarian. to watch something directed by a woman in that vein. You know oh, what I mean? Yeah, 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 like, yeah right. Yeah. I watched it when I was you know, a vegetarian. Exploitive. <laughs> <and> <laughs> it, like, <laughs> affirmed <laughs> my decision. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, that's it's. It, 
It's very pro-vegetarian, yeah. I would say. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Well, and it's good. a movie that when yeah. it ends, you want to watch it again because it'll recontextualize everything as yeah. soon right, as it's over. Right. Oh, that would it's, have been my number one if I had even thought of it. It's a, I didn't think yeah. of it either. I, yeah, uh, that's a great movie. Cool. Uh, so there we go. We got to bring it up anyway. Uh, let's wrap this up. I feel like we've we've yeah. kept them it's too long. My voice. Yeah. It's, uh, been great, it's been a great conversation. Yes. Though, oh, yeah, thank you. It. Yeah, it's been fun. Thank you guys so much for bringing this movie in particular too. This is like I I, I don't know. I when I saw this two years ago, I was like. I think that was good. I liked that. And then had no one to talk to about, you know, like no one else yeah. had seen that movie. And so I, I didn't really get to like unpack yeah. it like we got to tonight, which was great. Uh, so thank you guys so much. Uh, and go ahead and plug away all of the things that you want people to know about uh, that are listening to the show. You can go first. Um, so I, I'm mostly a contributor to, to Movie John. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm not involved in the daily ins and outs. Rosalie is the one who deserves credit for that. But okay. I do a lot of film writing of my own. Yep. Uh, I have a Twitter. It's called uh, Void Ember, and then I also have a Letterbox that I'm very active on, and post pretty much my thoughts on everything I watch on my Letterbox. So That's what I, I do too. My I, username there is also Void Ember. I gotta find um, you on there. So yeah, yeah. Um, those are my two uh, my two big things. I would say cool. find me find me on Twitter and, and on Letterbox. Yeah. So I mean, as Sandy said, Movie John. I mean, it's comprised of so many contributors and it wouldn't be around if people like you didn't write for us um (laughs) but uh so yeah moviejohn.com and then i actually just started using letterbox and i'm like obsessed with it the best i was very resistant to it everybody can use it in their own way but then you confined to like being a review writer or whatever you know I love the list thing. Yeah. Uh, I was showing Rosalie the list the car. thing is awesome. One girl who I follow there, her username is just Vanessa, but okay. um, she's taken it upon herself to create a list that is every movie ever directed by a woman, mm-hmm. and she's color arranged all. Oh, of them, I love when people do that. When they, an yeah. absolute oh, labor love of love. Yep. I've never seen anything yep. quite like it. But Letterbox is very special because you can do things yes. like that. Well, um, I was very resistant to it, but then once you go down that hole, there's like no going crazy, back. Yeah. It's like I it's have to log everything to I see. Reviews. Yes. Oh yeah. <laughs> I've been logging every movie I watched for the last like, three years yeah. now. Basically. People yeah. who are into yep. aesthetics. Letterbox is for um, us. But I'm just Rosalie Kicks on there, and awesome. um, yeah, I, I, I please check out MovieJohn.com. I mean. I just realized we might have listeners things. outside of Philadelphia, so it's movie John J A W N. Yes, oh, we do get a lot of explain this to people before. But it's kind of funny. We do get a lot of people that they have heard of John. Well, I think now with Creed, Creed has a oh, whole scene where so she true. explains the, John. the word John, which yeah. we just had Creed two filming in my neighborhood. No shit. <laughs> I think you posted it on Twitter. The South <gasps> Fellini guys son. found a picture of McAvoy wearing him. their John shirt. That's correct. Yeah, yeah. they ended up blocking. You could not park in my neighborhood, which was like really annoying. Actually, yeah, yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> because they just like told us like the night before. Yeah. Um, but luckily, the Acme let us park in their parking <laughs> lot. Good. But it was crazy. Yeah, yeah. they blocked off like six or seven blocks. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. wild. I love Creed. Oh, it's so good. Dan and I can never stop talking about Creed. I, also, I, uh, I too love Creed. Put, well, I love rewatched the Rocky it movies. the other day for the first time in a while, and I was like. Yeah, showed, so showed it to this my parents, and there was just two hours of Smiths crying at yeah. various times <laughs> during a movie. Yeah, I took my girlfriend through the entire series over the last couple months. Yeah, oh so it's like you will know me better if you see this. <laughs> and then we were watching Creed, and she was laughing because I was crying. Yeah, yeah. it's so Aww. good, dude. It's so good. I love that movie. She's like, "You're crying for this guy in the ring." I'm like, "Fuck you!" Know, it means so oh, much to him. He's supposed to prove he's not a mistake. Yeah. Those oh. fight scenes, though. Those oh, are so, oh, those oh so my god, good. that like 18 minute one take fight. Yeah, so good. Uh, Alright, you can find me on Twitter at Philadelphia. It's with an F, letterbox.com slash Philadelphia. Uh, I write for 
for um, Cynadelphia.com now uh, pretty much every week. And um, I also write for farsightedblog.com. Um, that's pretty much it for me. Yep. Uh, Dan Scully on Twitter, Letterboxd, all that stuff. I managed to get my name on everything except the dot com. He's some Broadway lighting guy. Motherfucker. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I got my name there on, on everything. Of course, check out Cynadelphia.com. Yes. Um, and... Uh, I think that's it. Yeah, we'll plug around. Every show. once in a while, I, I poke around on my film fest reviews at findy.com. Oh, yeah, so Fendi. you should check out findy.com because I think they want to expand their film. Yeah, that's a good. So, idea. Awesome. and find the show on Twitter, Facebook, email us. I like two movie numeric two at mm-hmm. gmail.com, uh, Facebook, Twitter, all those places. And uh, we'll wrap this up the same way we do every week. Uh, you guys will probably follow along with this just fine. My name is Garrett Smith, and I like to movie movie. My name is Dan Scully, and I like to movie movie. My name is Sandy Devito, and I like to movie movie. My name is Rosalie Kicks, and I like to movie movie. And we all know that you like to movie movie because we like to movie!